Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 137. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what is up? Not much. Having a good day today. Uh, after work was great. Uh, during work was not. But we're here now. We're podcasting. Having some little opera. That job, jobs that we have are not our real jobs. That is yeah. just, it's just placeholder content for exactly. a real job. That will be our, our podcasting career. That is, that is still in the pre-greatness phase, but is well underway. Yeah, still in pre-greatness. But yeah, things are going good. We got looking forward to this, uh, this big show coming up. Yes, and snow is falling all over the country, which is a beautiful thing. So thank you everyone for checking us out. You can get more information at skibumpodcast.com. We have redesigned the site. It's still being updated all the time. I'm making changes. I'm I'm fixing bugs, but it's out there. If you're on mobile or on Chrome, you'll it'll look wonderful. If you're on other browsers, things might get dicey, but you know what? That's uh that's all part of the game. If you could check out the subscribe page. We have some information there and the support page. If you want to support us, we'd really love that. Right now, we only have QR codes for cryptocurrency, Bitcoin and Ethereum. If you want to send us a little, uh, a little love, we're hoping, yeah, we're hoping to set up a Patreon account and a PayPal donation account, but those are still again in the works. But you can check us out on all of the socials, twitter.com slash ski bum podcast, facebook.com slash ski bum podcast, instagram.com slash ski bum podcast. We are on Pinterest as highfalutins and on SoundCloud as highfalutin dash ski bum. We're also on YouTube. I'm not exactly sure. I think it's slash ski bum podcast, but I think it might be some wacky number, like alphanumeric code that we are. But if you go to YouTube and you search for us, we will show up if that is your jam. You can look at us. Well, you can look at a still image of us and uh, hear the podcast through there. Yeah, it is. I'm not looking at it now. Yeah, it's somewhere. Just look at schemapodcast.com on YouTube and you'll find us. There you go. So with that, let's start it off like we always do. It's time for our pray today. today so today i'm starting off with uh because they're getting snow in the northeast and places are opening up and one of them is in vermont um i think it's time to have a little vermont favorite lawson's finest liquid sip of sunshine uh our favorite i think this is our show favorite ipa right now um or one of them and we like a lot of ipas but yeah this is definitely the uh the mac daddy of them all um Nice sip of sunshine. It's a good way to uh, bring the sunshine to the gle- the dreary day that it was at work. So this is this is good. I pray yeah. I pray work. That's one of our all time favorites. Yeah, like you mentioned that, and it, yeah, it's if you're not into IPAs, this could be one of the ones that changes your mind and changes your palate because it is a little bit citrusy and smooth, and it's not as as bitter as some of the other IPAs are. But it's it's a it's a wonderful beverage. I know Lawson's just opened up their, I I think they are open now. I know there was kind of some delays going on in their uh, new tap room and tasting room up in uh, Warren, Vermont. But I I think, I think it's open now or it's very close to being open and will definitely be a stop at some point this winter. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe sooner than we think. Right. 
Could be. Uh, yeah, I let somebody try one of these um, last week, and they said it was surprisingly amazing. They were like, is there citrus in there? I'm like, nope, it's just the hops. It's not, no fruit added. It's just, uh, it's just the goodness, the sunshineness that's in there. A little bit of magic, a little bit of love. That's it. And that's what you get. How about you, Brian? Mario got Vermont covered in terms of our apre today. I have Colorado covered. Nice. Since we'll talk about it in the ski news, Colorado, as always, is the first to open. And this year it was Wolf Creek. I don't have any Wolf Creek whiskey because I'm not sure if that even exists. What <laughs> Some, I do have something made in somebody's bathtub or something, maybe. You know, gotta what? be I'm, something local. There's, there's definitely got to be some dude making something in his bathtub down there in Pagosa. I have as close as I could get to that. And I have some Colorado Breckenridge whiskey. Not just the regular one, but the port cask finish one, which is really nice. It's a high rye bourbon mash aged for a minimum of three years in charred new American oak barrels finished in port casks. I'm a big fan of anything finished in wine casks or barrels. It just gives it a little bit of a a smoothness, um, some additional richness to the flavor, a little bit of wood oakiness. This is no different. This is... You know, if you ever had like Angel's Envy, it's a lot like that. Might be a little tiny bit hotter, a um, little more flavor too. It's uh, a really nice bourbon. Nice. You having it with a few rocks today? Indeed. Indubitably. It'd be too many rocks. My ice is melting down here. Uh, it's, a, it's a balmy like 46 degrees out today. So, you know, ice melts. Man, that's like half of what we have up here. I uh, I was in Florida two weeks ago. I don't know how many people do it. I don't know how you live down there. It's just... I'm thinking the same thing lately, but I'm just waiting today. It cooled down. It was like 85, I think, before it's like, the podcast. It was perfect like biking weather. It's like being in a marathon runner's underwear all the time down there. Yeah. Like, that's Florida. It's like you're just... You're someone's like uh, in someone's underwear the whole time. Armpit. The armpit pouch. Yeah. So I just looked up, there is in Pagosa Springs, there's Pagosa Brewing Company and Riff Raff Brewing Company. Mm. So I'll just make sure our boy Nick, when he goes out there for Thanksgiving, yeah. to give us a full report on what's going on in Pagosa and how those breweries are. Yeah. So Riff Raff Brewing is spring-fed with geothermal heating. I love when they do stuff like that. It's pretty neat. Geothermal heating is so awesome. I don't know why we haven't done that sooner. It's really not that hard to do. It really isn't. That's the thing. It should be the standard. Yeah, it's usually a little bit more upfront cost, but you save a ton of money on Walmart. Yeah, but you know how people are. Like We were just talking about it before the podcast started. Some people are just so cheap. Like yeah. The most important thing to them is like being cheap and saving a dollar. And it's amazing how short-sighted some people are in doing that. Hey, sometimes you gotta you, you gotta pinch and you know squeeze, but some things you don't you, you shouldn't really. Yeah, some, some things you shouldn't compromise. There's a lot of things like bear spray. Don't buy discount bear spray. That's right. Get the good stuff. You know, you want you want full on Carolina Reaper you know, bear spray. You don't want like the um, like some sort of like cheap, lame you know possibly Chipotle spray. You want yeah. the Carolina Reaper. 
you know, not the one that the the bear is going to say, mm, that's a nice, you know, compliment to the, to you that I'm going to human eat. flesh. Yeah, exactly. Isn't, you know? there a, isn't there a hotter pepper than the Carolina Reaper? I don't know. I thought the ghost pepper was the hottest. Uh, no, I think the Carolina Reaper beat the ghost pepper. I think that's what it is. Ooh. Yep. Carolina Reaper is the, it's 2 million Scovilles. Scoville scale. Yeah. Ghost pepper is only 1 million. 4,100. Uh, that's, that's a basic bitch pepper. It's a bitch pepper. You got to go Carolina Reaper. Then there's, this has a better, uh, this actually has a nice, nice ring to it. The Trinidad Maruga scorpion. Wow. Two million nine thousand Scovilles. Ooh. So that's up there with the Carolina Reaper. But the Reaper bring you know beats it out. Don't fear the Reaper, baby. Yeah, that Trinidad yeah. Scorpion is. There's another one. Yeah. So that, I guess that plant is pretty freaking hot. It goes to show you. You know, if you're gonna, there's certain things you should spend the extra bucks on. Bear spray is one of them. So while we're still here talking about the app rate today, we do have one story to report on. And this was reported on by our pal Rich from All About Apre. Park City, Utah is back. They are back and they have broken the longest shot ski record again. It's so funny, though. Them and Breckenridge are always battling it out. For- so they do a shot ski with actual shots of, of liquor on it, but then they can't serve a beer. It's higher than four percent. This is what kills me. Well, falsely advertised. You got to take everything alcohol related in Utah with a grain of salt. They talked about it. Uh, this is on Rich's website, all about apreski.com. They have uh, twelve hundred and seventy-five people doing this shot, and they said it's a signature drink made with High West whiskey. And High West Distillery is located right off of a uh, main street there in park city last year, Breckenridge had the record with 1,266. So this, they got ousted by, you know, nine more people in park city. Wow. I remember last time when park city had the record, they did it with beer, which was weird. Yeah. It's not a real shot, but yeah. And Breckenridge, they'll freaking they'll probably using Breckenridge whiskey. Like I'm drinking right now. <laughs> That's right. But let's say they're actually using real liquor this time. I uh, the shot the longest shot ski thing is always adorable. I do I respect that they're doing this. It's a nice fun little activity, and it's you know it's fun for bragging rights, and you know they're always. Yeah, this one looks like a, a legit shot ski though. Like the other one we saw last year was like, I don't know, it was like a bunch of things fastened together. It was just weird. Well, I think they have to do it that way, don't they? Yeah, but this is at least like, I think there's, I don't know. This one looks like more legit, like skis put together. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like it was, yeah, like lots of like cardboard or something, but. It was weird. It was like paddles or something. I don't know. It was something weird, like two by fours put together. So Park City, they went for it and they got it. So we'll see what happens at Uller Fest in January in Breckenridge and see if they can, uh, I'm sure right now the, crack engineers in Breckenridge are trying to figure out how they can get you know, 1,274 people to help right. break the record. We tip our hat to you. That was pretty good. That's true. Well done, and congrats, Park City. Enjoy your time in the sun. Let's get into the Genjula. 
Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot to talk about in the old gondola this week. Today we're riding the gondola from the U.S. into Canada, are we not? Oh, 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 Canada is the place to be right now, my friend. Doing intercontinental gondola ride. And while we're in the gondola, we'll start off with our pal Frank and his bean of the week. Frank, so, Frank. So yeah, we kind of screwed up. Well, that wasn't like we screwed it up last week. It was that, uh, you know, there was kind of like a a time lapse issue where, you know, we podcasted earlier last week than we usually do. And, and, uh, no, it was because we were hammered the two weeks prior. That's why. Two weeks prior was a mess. Last (laughs) week wasn't so bad. Last week was pretty good. Last week we really didn't, but we, we didn't have time to catch up. (laughs) Yeah. So Frank hooked us up and he originally had another one, but this ended up being his, his being this week is the Island sweet skunk, because this is extremely popular in that magical, beautiful, wonder, wonderful winter wonderland to the north, Canada. Ooh. Island sweet skunk, sometimes called sweet island skunk, is a sativa strain that consumers enjoy for its energetic effects. The flavor is most easily described as sweet skunk, where tropical fruit flavors take the lead. Often, the fruity aroma is likened to grapefruit. Originally bred by Federation Seed Company in Canada, this strain is a descendant of sweet pink grapefruit and big skunk number one and grows tall, straight, high-yielding plants. Some varieties of island sweet skunk have a heightened CBD content to help patients treating anxiety, inflammation, and muscle spasms. So there you go. The effects are uplifted, happy, energetic, euphoric, and relaxed. Pretty much everything they're feeling in Canada right now. Medically, it works great for depression, pain, stress, fatigue, and lack of appetite. Only negatives, dry mouth, dry eyes, a little dizzy, a little headache. Well, Weed Etiquette gave it a five stars, and I love how they, they call it. They call it ISS. ISS is awesome. It literally tastes like papaya and grapefruit from the island, very high in CDBs, CBDs, and great for sleeping at night if you suffer from anxiety. Mm. So I like it, ISS, International Space Station, right? Yeah. Call it that. Are you talking the international? No, no, I'm talking island sweet skunk. <laughs> it's got a pretty decent THC. It's 70, 17 to 20%. Uh, it's usually nice. low CBD. But yeah, the effects, based on some of the reviews here, you know, people were saying they were non-believers and people suffering from neuro- neurological pain, feet and leg pain. This has uh, worked magically for them. It sounds magically delicious. This is great to hear. And with that, the biggest news this week is obviously 100% that Canada, the entire nation, has officially legalized recreational marijuana across the board. Crowd is going wild over here. There you go. From Labrador, Newfoundland, all the way up to the Yukon territories. It's all legal everywhere you go. Even in Saskatoon. Even in, uh, it's, this is true. <laughs> a little bit south of Saskatoon. And to a little girl from Winnipeg, even in your hometown of Winnipeg. Even in the peg. Well, one thing though, they're saying that Manitoba and Quebec are, uh, they're being a little difficult about things. Of all the uh, of all the provinces, those are the ones that seem to be having some of the trickiest rules right now. Are they saying, oh, no, we don't know too much about that? They're just saying sorry about everything. <laughs> sorry. 
stuff your stories in a hat. Well, that, I guess those two, Quebec and Manitoba, they're saying they're the ones that are holding out for growing at home. Quebec doesn't even want to be part of Canada. What are you talking about? That's the problem, yeah. <laughs> but they said they both the provinces fiercely opposed the decision to have, um, to be able to grow at home and enacted their own rules banning the growing of at home. But there's still lawyers that are, you know, fighting the constitutionality of that. But cool. everyone else can grow at home up to four plants. They want, to, uh, they, they want to make sure everybody can only grow like French strains of cannabis. The uh, Florida weed. Florida weed. Florida weed. At the borders, uh, there's been some adjustments and changes. Ottawa warned Canadian travelers that previous use of cannabis or any substance prohibited by U.S. federal laws could mean that you were denied entry into the U.S. But... Right before legalization, U.S. border official noted that nothing has changed in re- that regard, saying that if you've been the subject of violation of the U.S. laws, that will make you inadmissible to our country, but that anything in Canada shouldn't affect your ability to, to travel within, you know, across the border. Now, yeah, that's right. There was a few stories about like how they were going to try to keep track of people yeah. that had bought it before. It was a whole bunch of scare fake tactics. news, fake news, total losers, scare tactics, fake news. Yeah. I love this. You can actually fly with it in Canada. So if you're flying from Vancouver to Toronto, you can just fly with up to 30 grams of cannabis. Why not? You could, you could fly with cigarettes. You just can't smoke them on the plane, right? That's true. Smoke if you got them. Smoke them if you got them. Can't carry a lighter on a plane, but you could have a Cigarette and some weed. That's true. Well, you just bring one of your uh, Samsung Galaxy Note 8s, have a catch fire, and I'll let your weed up with it. Boom. Boom. Perfect time to let my weed. That's when you go on eBay and get one of those shitty old Galaxy catch-on-fire phones. That's right. Perfect. Hey, perfect time for a weed cookie. That's mm-hmm. what I say. That's true. We are descending very quickly. Or we're passing out weed cookies. Everybody enjoy. I was reading okay. something about this. So and this was a very, very poignant point of view they're saying you know just because you know we kind of you know we dabble in the, the bitcoin the libertarian belief system you know people should be able to do what they want to do if they you know when they want to do it and the government shouldn't you know people should be sovereign and shouldn't have the government interfering with their lives and one thing it's just if it's really funny to think about that on monday consuming this plant this naturally growing plant was illegal and all of a sudden on wednesday with a signing of some sort of document, it, it became okay to consume this plant. Like, do we really, we really give these people this sort of authority to, you know, tell us what we can do in our own lives? It's really pretty insane. And I mean, I get this whole momentum and you need to have people at the top and making rules. Otherwise, you descend into chaos in theory and probably not. But isn't it just, it's kind of goofy that the power that these people yield over something as innocuous and unnecessary as plant consumption. Well, think about the dude that got arrested on Tuesday for carrying weed that could have been carrying it legally on Wednesday. He's like, man, I'm on like Asian time and they're already, it's already Wednesday in Asia. Man, my clock is broken, man. Yeah. I didn't turn my calendar page. Isn't it, isn't it stupid? Like, is it, do we really need people to, to regulate what kind of plants we can eat and consume and smoke? Like it's, ah, well, I guess they, I guess they heavily regulate the poppy plant. That's the next one on the list. Probably. I imagine. Yeah. But you know, the fact that we've given the, the authority and we're, we just, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of this is just momentum based where it's just been the way we've been doing it for, you know, 
decades and hundreds of years and to have the things that were made law in the 30s before the internet before tv you know when probably half the people could read those laws were made back then and were somehow you know subject to those now it just seems kind of ridiculous you know i just it annoys me. It annoys me the power that they have over something that just seems so unimportant and should not be even regulated. That's crazy. Just if you really want to break it down and look at that, it just seems stupid. It really does. And there's, there's countless examples of it, you know, like the over just too many laws and too many unnecessary boards and committees and things that, that just layers of, bureaucratic government that are just unnecessary to everyone's everyday life. And this is a perfect example of it. All right. So with that, switching over to the, thank you for stopping me, the long and short of it. So Canada has already experienced cannabis shortages. So Canadians love their legal weed so much that everybody ran out and they said brick and mortar and online stores were selling out as quick as Canadians tried to get their hands on the legal butt. So Vice News is reporting, um, you know, up to the minute they wanted to be, you know, I guess, get there and see how everything was going. And, you know, it's always like a big release, like when when something like this happens. And they said many stores ran out of stock during the first day. And there was even one in in Newfoundland and Labrador. Several stores had to stop selling, ran out of product. And one store owner said the gods must be laughing because... Out of all the goddamn times, they somehow ran out of weed at 420. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So they're saying all across the uh, the, the nation, um, people were going out in drones to get it. And they said they, everybody was very shocked at how fast they sold out. And I know they were stockpiling before this even became legal. So that's got to be a ton that they sold. Yeah. And, I, and they, one cool thing too, is that you can actually buy it online too. So I'm sure a lot of people didn't want to deal with that or bother with it, just would go online and, and I'm sure they put that, you know, that stash away so they could you know send it out to those people that later that day or tomorrow. And yeah, the people in line, that's, it kind of sucks. You know, it's a big day and you're so excited and you're probably waiting in line for two, three hours and then to uh, be turned away. And they, know. And it's funny, they said it was different in different places. So they're saying in Alberta, one um, province, sold out, uh, the province of Alberta sold out of cannabis oil. So they said limited products were available. Uh, one company in Winnipeg sold out completely online in the early morning by selling $50,000 worth of product by the time they were done. Wow. So that's, it's just crazy. I think the volume that was consumed or at least bought, and I don't, you never know, was it? People were waiting so urgently and they were saving up or are they afraid it's going to be repealed? So they ran out and got it. It's just kind of, it's interesting to see like the, uh, the buyer mentality. Yeah. That was sort of how it happened in Nevada last year too. Remember talking about that when they went legal, I think it was 4th of July weekend last summer. And there was like a massive rush and everyone, yeah, a lot of the places sold out, but they had some weird issue too with the distribution because companies had to apply for, distribution rights but you had to be a liquor distributor first and a lot of liquor distributors were trying to you know boycott and you know kind of push back on that but then a few eventually stepped up and they they got the supply and so there's always going to be a few hiccups whenever they 
they start the process of legalization. But yeah, it seems like, you know what? Has Canada descended into madness? Has are people just are the the buildings all burning down and people looting and going into anarchy? No. Dude, all the television stations went offline and nobody's picking up their phones, man. They're all stoned. Everything's super chill. <laughs> now I wonder the Penguins did tonight beat the Maple Leafs three nothing. You know why now? Now I don't know. They, I think it was Sports Illustrated predicted the Leafs to win the Stanley Cup. So I don't know now if they have legal weed. If that's going to change the uh, the prediction. Do they change their symbol from a maple leaf to something else? Wouldn't that Just be awesome for you know for like a <laughs> expansion like, team? Yeah, that could be their minor league team. Dude, that would be a perfect um, CFL team. Canadian football. That would be pretty good. Yeah. Um, they're saying that, that actually the shortage, shortage was forecasted by people monitoring the industry. They're saying researchers at University of Waterloo and CD Howe Institute found that while Canada could supply about, about uh, 210 tons of the good stuff, that the demand would be around 610 tons. Wow. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Yeah. I wonder how I many for like people from the U.S. going across the border for it. I mean, I'm sure it's a probably a pretty small percentage because yeah, three quarters of that was bought by people going across the border. You think so? I mean, right. Well, think about like, you know, how many places you can get it now in the U S you know, the whole West coast has got it. So it's, and then Massachusetts I guess it depends where, but on the, on the borders, like Michigan, it's not right. So that's all across. That's like, true. The there's a lot of states Windsor. right. Yeah. Right in the middle there. There's a lot of states that in the U S that it's not legal. I mean, Oregon, you have Washington right next door. Is Oregon legal? Yeah, Washington, Oregon, California, the whole West Coast. Right. Nevada, so, too. Once you can move in the middle, now you got people just Chicago. Montana's not going to legalize anytime soon. So, yeah, they'll they'll shoot up there. I'm sure Chicago emptied out People today. from Detroit. They go right across the river to Windsor. Detroit, yep. Yeah. So the entire city of Detroit, you see, like, in the afternoon, there's, like, no traffic. There's nobody there. Yeah. <laughs> They're all getting weed, man. Yeah. Crazy. They're all meeting the uh, UPS guy on the border after buying it online. <laughs> well, that's the thing I wondered too now. Like, what sort of like thefts are they going to have from like UPS and FedEx packages? <laughs> UPS delivered a record number to like hotels on the border. <laughs> well, you're going to see, yeah, right. People are like staying at a hotel for the next week to get the delivery. <laughs> but think it. about like how many how many packages are they going to deliver in the next couple next week, and how many people are going to like be just stalking the UPS guy and just stealing the week? Because yeah, you can see in the label. Um, Cause I'm sure some of these places are gonna have like some stupid box or stupid tape on the box with like weed, like pot leaves on it. How many and UPS like, drivers are not delivering that package? If you know what I mean? Boom. That too. Yeah. <laughs> Other package fell off the truck. Like going, you go on eBay and it's like, you want to play like UPS roulette? Like here we have these boxes. Choose one box. Oh, that'd be great. You have like random boxes. Like be like a uh, storage wars. You just bid on the box. Exactly. <laughs> well, they have lost packages all the time. Like there's tons of UPS, USPS, FedEx. They have lost packages or unclaimed packages. How many weed packages are going to be unclaimed? I'm still waiting for a pair of headlight bulbs I ordered from Amazon last summer. Man, they are sitting there somewhere on some shelf. Yeah. We don't know whose bulbs these are. Some dump in Jersey. I'm sure it's sitting in. (laughs) So speaking of cannabis and the U.S., this was a pretty cool article that I found. It was the day of legalization in the Wall Street Journal. U.S. cannabis firm places an ad to appeal to Trump. Readers of the Wall Street Journal were greeted. Actually, it was Tuesday morning. Then legalization happened Wednesday by a full 
page advertisement calling on President Donald Trump to lift federal marijuana bans as U.S. cannabis firms seek to capitalize on Canada's recreational launch. We want to get cannabis into the national narrative because this industry presents the biggest economic opportunity our generation will see from a job creation and tax generation perspective, said the person behind the advertisement, Derek Peterson, CEO of Irvine, California-based Terratech, a multi-state cannabis firm. Full disclosure, I am a stockholder of Terratech. I'm way underwater. And you're pump- waiting for it to come to make I'm, I'm trying to do whatever I can to pump this motherfucker up because I bought in at like 10 bucks a share and it's at like two. You're losing your fucking ass over. Dude, I'm losing my ass on Terratech. I got in in 2014. Like when you I... You're in too early, man. Too I got early. In way too, I got in in the last bubble when like Obama was like in. They're like, yeah, man, he's going to legalize weed. He's cool. And it's like, no, nah, he's just, just another freaking puppet there and doctor some shit. Man, Obama fucked that up. Yeah, man, Obama's fucking up. He's fucking it up. So yeah, so full disclosure on that one. Uh, the ad placed on page A8A appears as a letter to Trump and opens with, Dear Mr. President, we need your help. The advertisement goes on to state the rapidly growing American cannabis industry represents an extraordinary economic opportunity for our country. Yet Canada is threatening to deprive American farmers, workers and businesses from the prosperity that rightly belongs within our borders. God damn it. Dude, Canada is doing the right thing and they are going to scoop up all those American dollars and all that investment cash that's going to be flown over the border supporting their economy because we're too stupid to legalize it. It's all going into the loony. Just saying, just saying. If control control is, is different than legalized, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It further emphasizes that America is rapidly losing its competitive edge to Canada and calls on the federal government to allow states to enact their own cannabis regulations so that we can fairly compete and protect our domestic industry before it's too late. Here, here. He also went on Fox and Friends to preach this message because God knows that Trump loves to watch TV. So he had to make I, sure he got on TV too. I think it's a good idea. People need to be aware of the, the real issue at hand. We're going to lose, we're going to lose taxes. We're going to lose the ability for, for funding. I mean, I'm sure like banks are going to be lobbying, you know, this is why you see this is a, uh, a cannabis company, but I'm sure banks are, are pretty pissed. They're like, we're, we're going to lose out American banks. Yeah, it's it's so again, this goofy, outdated way of thinking that's preventing that's affecting the average person, you know, the average farmer, the average, you know, person looking for a job, a blue collar job that can't find one, which if this could just be enacted, would again, that would give countless jobs, both farmers, you know, processors retail shops, banks, like there's so many, it would stretch out so far to so many people. To, to legalize this. And it would also probably curtail the opioid epidemic. Like there's so many positives that would happen with this, that it's just ignorance, arrogance, and greed that are preventing it from happening. And again, we give, we give these people the power to control our lives. Why, what gives them that power? Why have we given them that? It just, it drives me crazy. Here's the bigger thing for the American farm community that pisses me off. So did you know that in all 50 states, the growing of industrial hemp, which there's no THC in, it's not psychoactive, it's, made, it's meant for textiles and things like that, it is still not legal in all 50 states. I thought states. they legalized it in like uh, North Carolina and Kentucky. They, a lot of states did, but it's still not legal in all states. Isn't that fucked up? 
That's all because of William Randolph Hearst back in the day. So you're talking about a literally a cash crop. Um, some old dildo was going to lose money because he he got a a paper processing plant and talked convinced the uh, the government to make hemp and cannabis illegal so he can make a little bit more money when he's already fucking filthy rich. And we're yeah. stuck to those stupid old laws from like 80 years ago. It's ridiculous. The thing about people are not educated enough to know the difference between hemp and cannabis. Like, yes, it's from the same offshoot of a plant, but they're totally different like plants when you grow them. It's, you know, one has THC in it, the other one doesn't. The other one's, one's used for like rope and clothes and a bunch of textiles and the other one is is used for medicinal and and recreational but people look the other way like they don't know it's just the way it's been forced on the american public it's just fucked up yeah it was just beaten in our heads by by nixon and all his fucking goons and this dumb war on drugs and but i mean here people are talking about yeah. yeah here people are talking about legalizing you know, recreational weed. And it's like, well, how about the farm weed that we're importing from other countries? I'm sure it's gone down a lot, but we used to be importing over $2 billion a year in, in textile, just hemp. Well, no, I remember hearing uh, on a podcast on, on Joe Rogan's podcast, cause you know, he has that the on it company and he was saying they have to import their hemp from Canada and China because they grow, it grow it here. I mean, yeah. how stupid is that? You have it here and you can use it in products because it doesn't have TAT, but you can't grow it. And because it's so much it's, cheaper. Well, because it's still technically part of the same plant family, even though it's not the same plant, it's in the same plant family as cannabis. So you can't grow it because they still classify it as schedule one. Just that's, ridiculous. That's like saying, okay, hey, you've got a second cousin who beats his wife and has parking tickets and doesn't pay child support. So you're going to jail because you're his second cousin. You're, you're related to Aaron Hernandez. I think you're a murderer too. And you got to go to jail too. Like it's kind of that association by, you know, proximity. Yeah. Ridiculous. It's, it's so goofy. It really is just such nonsense. Why do they have this power over us? Why have we allowed this? You know, we, we give them the power to be our politicians and they've, this is how they treat us. That's how they, they treat the power they're given. But they're actually saying, so recreational, there's a big retail cash volume on that. But if you're talking about the economic potential of industrial hemp, it is enormous. Like that is even bigger than the recreational retail part of of medical or even uh, recreational marijuana. Crazy. Yeah. Well, they were saying um, Popular Mechanics back in 1938 said that hemp was going to be a billion dollar crop. In 1938. Damn. And because of nonsense inflation that we're stuck to again in this country, I'm really coming down on uh, government and politicians. Um, Dude, you are ready to like get your own island, go off the grid, aren't you? I'm ready to go full libertarian, full Bitcoin. You hit the fucking Powerball, and we're never going to see you. You're going to do a podcast from a, reno- a remote barge off of an island that doesn't have any. It's going to be like a satellite feed through several other satellite feeds, so we can't track it. It's going to be fucked up. Inflation is taxation. <laughs> Besides that. 1938, Popular Mechanics was saying that hemp would be a $1 billion a year product. And they're Uh, talking industrial hemp, right? Not even industrial hemp. Yeah. Yeah. Used for 6,000 years. But, you know, unfortunately, because again, because of uh, William Randolph Hearst coming in and, you know, tying it to marijuana and saying that all these white women are going to get raped by blacks and Mexicans 
that he somehow convinced the government to make it illegal. So, and here we are today, 80 years later with these same stupid laws based on some jerk off trying to get a little bit richer back in the thirties. So there you go. Take that and do with it what you will. In the face. So they're saying for, for hemp, people don't realize like, so hemp's used like clothing. And the big thing is it's using biofuels, plastic composites, paper, construction materials. I mean, there's so much construction going on. Think of, think of the fact that that whole supply chain has to import industrial hemp from other places because you can't get enough here. Yeah, one thing I want to read about was hempcrete. So instead of concrete, they use hemp as part of one of the ingredients in this, you know, this building material. And said it's actually stronger and lighter than concrete. Yeah. A biocomposite material mixture of hemp, hemp herds, and lime used as a material for construction and insulation. Crazy, man. Craziness. Yeah, it just, again, there's all these simple, elegant, better solutions in front of us, but somehow we have to kind of go around and circumnavigate to get to these more complicated, unnecessary solutions because of these garbage, outdated, uninformed laws that we have. Well, people don't have the truth. They've never been told the truth. It's fucked up. You can't handle <laughs> the truth, America. All right, yeah. next up. Next up, we got thousands respond to the FDA's marijuana rescheduling comment request. So the government was faced with a lot of public interest in, in rescheduling the um, in rescheduling marijuana because it's it's in that schedule of schedule one. Yeah. Schedule one, which no is there's no medical benefits. use. Right. No medical benefits. And, and it's, it's up there. It's in the class with what cocaine and crystal meth. And- crystal, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so now there, there's a lot of controversy because the FDA uh, has approved certain drugs for medical use now. So now you're saying, yes, they've actually, another federal organization has, actually approved a medical use for something that the federal government classifies as no medical use available, you know, for the, for the, for the drug. So it just, it totally contradicts, but it actually in one way automatically negates that classification of, of you know, the scheduling. So um, they said the comments will be considered as the United Re- uh, States response to the United Nations World Health Organization. Um, It'll help inform the internal group on whether to recommend certain international restrictions be placed on the drugs or whether it should be reclassified under international drug treaties as well. You know, again, I'm going back on my soapbox. All these organizations, they all have some sort of reason why they exist. And all the decisions they make, whatever policies they're pushing, whatever agendas they're supporting, it, it's all based on them making more money. Every single one of them, you know, I'm sure they're all tied into to governments and big corporations that they want to make sure they keep happy and satisfied. I mean, how can we even trust anything they decide on? You know, they don't care about the people. They don't care about what benefits us. All they care about is filling their pockets. Yeah. So they say in, in April, in response to, to uh, an FDA request, normal collected and hand delivered over 10,000 comments to the agency. Um, to lift the international restrictions, criminalizing the plant. Isn't that crazy? So that there's like a big push now for like 
getting comments. And they said they're actually looking now. They're going to look at 16 different drugs. That should yeah, be it's not just marijuana. And it's, it's funny, too. Like I love some of these comments. But what's cool about it is like you see there's different people from different walks of life looking at it from different points of view that are all for legalizing it. Like, you know, like there's one comment about 25-year-old male working in New York City. It's one of the few answers to the budget deficit across the nation in the form of billions in tax revenue. So you have it from the monetary point of view. You have another person who's a, a veteran from the Iraq war saying, I'm ashamed of the way that they're treating veterans like myself who have firsthand, firsthand know the positive effects of cannabis that have for people suffering from PTSD. So you have, you know, people coming from completely different points of view who are all coming to the same conclusion. And there's been a, there's a bill that, that's actually getting, uh, I think it was approved by the, was it approved by the Senate, but it's, it's still not law, but they're trying to get, um, medical marijuana to treat PTSD in, in veterans, which is huge. Yeah. I thought that already passed or was close to passing. Yeah. I don't know. It's not law though. It's not like, that's the other thing too. That's a big problem is, you know, here in Florida, there's a big thing where, you know, they, they passed it for, for medical marijuana use, but they've made it so, and the same thing was in Jersey. They passed it for medical, you know, medical use, but it is so inaccessible to most people that you might as well just not, you know, the people approved it and the people want it available but the government has stopped it because the people in government right now don't want to see it like to fruition. So it's kind of like the people spoke and, the, and you know, government did what the, the government wanted to do. And they said, hey, let's just put the brakes on this because we can. Well, Florida's got a whole other thing, too, going on with their the pain pill industry. And all the, did you ever see that Oxycontin Express? Opioids, yeah. Ooh, that's some dark shit going on down there. Like they were, they didn't have a shared database of people who were getting oxycotton prescriptions, and they wanted to keep it that way because the maker of that—I forget what the pharmaceutical brand was making it—wanted to make sure that they could give people multiple prescriptions. That's mm. dark shit right there, and that's the kind of shit right. that—that's those are the people who are lining the pockets of our politicians to pass policy, and that is—that's lunacy. These are they're fucking criminals that we're allowing. They're, it's criminal that we're allowing our voted elected officials to do that. Something's got to change, man. I'll tell you, something is changing. I mean, you look at. Could you imagine 15 years ago saying like right after? Think about right after 9/11. Could you imagine if someone said to you, "Hey, man, within a couple of years we're gonna have legal marijuana in 10 states and all of Canada, and it's looking to to pass in five more this election cycle." Like, could you imagine that? Like, that would that, that, the Bush era. Like, you never could have thought something like that would happen. But somehow, you know, the I don't know if it's the internet, I don't know if it's people experiencing it, but something is definitely changing where people are getting informed, and it's great because you know this is just one little tiny piece of of life of humanity, and it's it to see it spread to other areas is is going to be it's it's you know we do see it in certain areas, but to see it spread further is going to be you know, when we can get past all this bullshit that we're bombarded with every day regarding left and right and Democrats and Republicans, and you're an asshole and you're an anti you're a fascist, you're Antifa. Like we can, we can get through all this. This is all just noise. Yeah. There are positive things happening in this world. And we got to focus on that. Focus on what's, what's good and what's right and what's improving and just push that unnecessary bullshit out of our, uh, out of our lives. I think what's helping everything is I call it the Trinity. It is the internet, 
Family Guy, and South Park. You're forgetting Rick and Morty in there. Rick and Morty's in there. Rick and Morty's the dark horse. They're over everything. That's for a higher level. That's like the Mensa fit level of thinking for this. Because <laughs> it's on a higher level. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't even explain that shit to anybody. They got to watch it. Yeah. I remember that I watched the first episode. I'm like, dude, I can't get into this. And you're like, just stick with it. Stick with it. I said, I, I stuck with it for like two, three episodes. And then it started clicking. The first episode, I was like, they say each other's name way too much. They keep saying like Rick and keep saying Morty. I'm like, I, I get it. Like this was driving me crazy, but then it was I, just weird and like not that funny because you didn't know you didn't put your mindset in like the, the type of humor. Yeah, and about third episode, you're like, I'm like, this is the best fucking show I've ever made. <laughs> awesome. Much. Yeah. All right. So that was a long. What? If you haven't read Rick and Morty, yeah, you haven't watched Rick and Morty. You got You got to binge it. Do yourself a favor. It's only three seasons. You know, yeah. half an hour each tops. It's uh. Pickle it's Rick. Pickle. <laughs> <laughs> See, you can't even explain that shit to anybody. Dude, that could be the, the possibly the best 30 minutes of animated show ever. <laughs> I saw uh, Little Rick. I saw that episode the other night. Little Rick was pretty good, but Pickle Rick Little is Rick. the best. You Pickle know what it just shows? You, you're capable of anything. If you're in a tough situation, you figure out a way to get through it. That's right. And if people don't get your humor, they'll put it out there. That's right. Somebody will get it. I think this stupid podcast is just like kind of putting it out there. That's right. And for some reason, you people are listening to it. So thank you so much for listening to it. We really do appreciate it. Gets into your head and you can't get it out. I like True. it. Like an, we're an earworm. That's, Ear, that's right. We're earworms. We're earworms. All right. So that's, that really wraps up an interesting, deep, heavy, exciting trip so, to Gondola. Congratulations, Canada. Canada, you guys are the best. Well done. It's gonna be, hey man! If you're going to Whistler or Dan oh, or, or up to Red or Kicking Horse or Revelstoke, it's gonna be a whole different adventure this time. So when are we going to Revelstoke, dude? We gotta make that happen. We gotta make well, it happen. I think isn't the um, mega up to a billion dollars almost? Dude, I'm gonna hit the fucking mega, and we are gonna go ride the lightning for like I gotta say at least two years of traveling. You better buckle up. You better wrap up that little little babuska of yours and your wife and we're going we're traveling get adventure vans like a little armada together yeah vans and just uh yeah i'm gonna have chauffeur driven buses we're gonna have like a team of them we're gonna have helicopters we're gonna have a helicopter on top of the buses that that will have like a a flatbed with the helicopter on it you know it'd be awesome if we had like a tour bus and we had it like decorated like justin bieber and people think it's justin bieber driving around but it's just (laughs) us (laughs) would it be pretentious to put the helicopter on the fully tricked out C-130 that we have that flies out so that when we land, we have our helicopter to heli-ski? No, not at all. I think that's the only way to go. I like that idea. Or we could like mobile our helicopter so it's in this big bubble. Oh, mobile! Fuck yeah. I want to drive around in a mobile all the time. It'd be like my own private double-decker bus. Right? <laughs> the old mobile, not the new one where it's like, he's like in like a... Like a geostorm convertible these days. Yeah, no. Nah. I want like the big, like extended the school, rats the and suburban burger, creepy pedophile protector, like bulletproof glass mobile. I want a fucking bulletproof Yukon, like just spilling gasoline out as as the miles go. Just you want it just leaking gasoline the whole way. Awesome. A, a clear vehicle. Clear, <laughs> totally. Like, it's like, like Wonder Woman's uh Wonder Woman's plane. Exactly. It's like, I want it totally. I want the engine clear. I want the motor oil to be clear. I'm like, I want you guys to figure that shit out. Make everything clear. 
it's flying it just falls apart from the heat you're like well sir we only have 20 minutes of flight time and then we got to break out the squirrel suit it's like bro you made it out of tupperware you know that right <laughs> all right so you hit you hit the lottery for 800 million 900 million dollars yeah are you squirrel suiting or not I think I'd probably do the VR version. Or do you pay someone a squirrel, for, squirrel suit for you and you do a live feed from their bank? That's what I'm apartment. saying. You GoPro, like you do like, perfect, right? I'm like, and I'm like multiple <laughs> GoPro, like GoPros, like all over them. And you have like the VR set set up and you could be like, you know, you could be um, uh, suspended over like the, <laughs> the ground over Can grass you- <laughs> and have like, way, like a fan blowing on you, but you have your VR goggles on and you're seeing exactly what they're doing. Even better, dude. Can you fly him like a drone? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> like a fucking drone. Drone wings. Price is right, man. People will like, do anything. Smithers. The Smithers would jump in there and freaking yeah. fly around like a drone. It's like, oh, look at that rock wall over there. Should we crash you into it? <laughs> he doesn't even have control. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. You're like terrified. You're like zipping around like goddamn thing. I saw you looking at my wife. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, and you throw down the video control. This game sucks. <laughs> yeah, bring me another one. <laughs> bring me another. Holy shit, that's terrifying. This is why we can't win. Real. We're not allowed to win because we're just going to be doing terrible things like that. Wow. Now, yeah, we can VR anything. Pretty much. I like this. Yeah. All right. So I think with that, let's go to ski news. Big start this week. Actually, last weekend, last Saturday, Wolf Creek in Colorado, the first resort to open in North America. Congratulations. We mentioned it last week, but it's official in the books. They are open. I think they're only open for the weekends now and probably until the next week or so until they have enough snow. But with this weekend, or starting, this will be out on Friday. So today, Killington and Sunday River are both opening on the east coast that's early for killington and yeah and as is a basin out in colorado so we're gonna have four resorts open this weekend which is pretty awesome now you said it earlier today is if you want to get your 100 or 200 days in these are the days that matter you better get your ass out there and get everything you can because these are the days you can't get back yeah Grab the rock skis. Grab somebody else's skis. It's even better. Hey, bro, can I borrow your skis? Just fucking take them out and trash them. That's what happens. No, go find a uh, demo sale. And just yeah. get some, uh, you know, some beaters and just cruise around on them. You know, because or if you got a ski house and somebody leaves their skis there all the time, hey, you just adjust the bindings and you're good to go. <laughs> let's be honest. You know, this time of year, it, it's all it's all just uh, it's all ceremonial right now. Yeah. You know what? Part of that ceremony is just the beauty and the joy of being out in October on your skis. It's it's fantastic. Because where you go out for a nice leisurely hour or two of skiing and then just relax in the lodge and relax everywhere. Just relaxation. Skiing. And you know what, what the best part about it is? It's again, it's it's not gonna be the most epic skiing, but you know what? It's that first taste. You know, it's like when you get that first apre beer after a great day of skiing. This is what it is with that that first time of the season when it's this early because you know everyone there is hardcore you know you're not having these like uh you know the, the people who show up just to ski the week of christmas this is this is the hardcore folks who are out there and these are kind of those weird messed up times where you might have some of the best days of skiing where skiing is not necessarily the best that you're gonna have 
but you might have the best day just doing other stupid shit. Yeah. And one thing to be mindful of too, you know, you never know when this time of year, if you're, you decide to go up there when all of a sudden those freak storms can drop. Boom. Powder day, powder day in October. They were saying at Wolf Creek that, um, last weekend they got 30 inches of snow. You know, who expected that in the middle of October? It's skiing and get like get a blizzard in October. Yeah. Blizzard in October. Could happen. They do happen. So if you're up there, you know, it's a, you've, you're doing something right. If you're getting out there that first weekend, we were hoping to, but you know, this little thing called goddamn life gets in the way sometimes, but uh, you know, lottery Friday will be there Saturday. Oh, this is true. Hey, I'm calling it, man. I am disappearing for like two weeks until I tell people that I even want. I'm just going to ski and do stupid shit for like a week or two. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Just saying, hopefully. Just lock that ticket up somewhere. I think I'll, I think I'll be sober enough to call you and at least make some plans to be like, meet me in an airport. Dude, you're going right to Canada. What are you talking about? That's it, man. <laughs> just get barbecued. Dude, I'm in Canada. Oh, my God. book. Yeah. And I'm skiing. That's the only way to do it. That's, that would be, I would, I would just spend yeah, the other first couple of weeks, just uh, a lot of skiing and a lot of recreationally legal cannabis. That'd be a great way to, to celebrate the lottery winnings. And then, you know, come back, you know, just like leave and don't tell anybody and people will freak out and get so upset. And you know what you do? You come back Thanksgiving morning. They're like, Oh my God, it's a Thanksgiving miracle. He's back. It's like, guess what? I'm not only back, I have the winning mega millions ticket. Boom. What do you think about that? You miss me now? Miss me now. Yeah. That's when you uh, fake your death. You claim it under a fake name and you live like unknown to anybody. You live like Chow Yun Fat. You know, I, I, so I was thinking about what's the first thing you're going to buy. I'm, I'm torn between buying like a baller ass yacht and a ski house. I think I want both. You know, that's the thing. Two good choices though, right? Well, if you're, if you're, if you're playing it economically, the yacht is probably the better way to go because it's, the, to end your of, it's the end of yacht season. So uh, you probably get something cheaper because you're like, well, end of season. I don't know if I really want this. And people are trying to get rid of it or get yeah. the pre-sales going while for the ski place, it's, it's right kind of ramping up into the season. So there'll be more of a premium price there. So, Again, if you had nine hundred million dollars, it probably shouldn't matter to you. But if you were playing, if economics were of concern, that would be the way to play it. Yeah, I like where you're going with that. So this is the end of the season. So is there some place that we can go that they're having some big freaking like yacht sale right now? I believe Yachts R Us is having a sale this month. Yachts R Us. Yachts R Us. Yeah. Well, did you ever did you ever watch that um the Sasha Baron Cohen the, uh, the Who Is America? No, I still gotta watch that. Oh, they have one with the freaking yacht salesman. It's fantastic. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, because um, well, because one of one of his characters is like this rich like photographer, Playboy billionaire dude, and he's talking to the yacht salesman, and he's like, he's like, yes, he's like, you know, we don't want to get into it, but you know, my my co buyer. It may be Assad from Assyria. Guy's like, no problem, no problem, no problem. He's like, no, it may have a problem. There are all these refugees and we get in their way. Is there a way we can electrify the waters by them? He's like, 
dude, we can, we can make that happen. We can, we can do that. <laughs> like the guy was just like, whatever I got to do to sell this yacht. And the guy was dead serious, obviously. That's awesome. <laughs> it was pretty good. Dude, I want to go to the fucking Catalina, Catalina wine mixer or fucking yacht sales. That's what I want. I'm, uh, listen. If, I think we get invited every year. I wonder what kind of calls you get from, I'm sure like people, you know, figure out who wins these, um, these lottery jackpots and just the amount of like cold calling and people stalking you to make you just buy and invest and just do the dumbest shit. Like I got some llamas, bro. These are like, <laughs> these are award-winning prize llamas with papers. Dude, if, in? <laughs> if I hit for the billion dollars, I'm going to, we're going to use that for the podcast. We're going to punk these, these <laughs> like, Dude, oh yeah, to- how many llamas you got? I want llamas. I want you to bring a llama here. I want to see it. Dude, I want to get a. I'm a, you know what the first thing we're gonna buy is? Ah, I figured it out. We're gonna buy that goddamn snowcat limousine out in Vancouver, oh. and we're driving that motherfucker all over the place. I think MLK weekend, we're renting out like Killington Mountain, and we're gonna race snowcats up and down that bitch while everybody else watches. We're just gonna suddenly close the place, be like, "Yeah, we're doing it." Snowcat racing that would be awesome. How much would it be to buy Killington? Uh, flat out cash out that's a very good well let's see whistler sold for what close to two billion yeah, we're just talking Kellington. i mean eh, probably a few hundred million i would think yeah you get the powerball for freaking you get the mega millions for 900 million walking away no, with probably about four or five hundred million there's no lottery tax in florida so boom yeah, I'm using my unpaid lottery tax, un- unpaid state taxes to buy a ski area. That would be pretty awesome. We like Cartman when he bought the uh, the amusement park. <laughs> yeah, <Yay>. gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> and he like slowly start letting people in because he couldn't afford to pay for all the things to be running. That's right, everybody but Kyle, right? <laughs> Kyle, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, next up, we got from Denver, Colorado. We have Denver's Mile High Magazine, 5280. Uh, They put out three new ski films you need to watch. So one of them we saw already. We saw the trailer. Uh, Actually, two of them we saw, which was a Teton Gravity, Otomir, and the um, Wormillis Face of Winter. So those trails look dope. But they had one um, that I hadn't seen before. It's called Hoji. And it's from Matchstick Productions, and they always put out a good film every year. Um, and this is pretty cool because it's de- dedicated to, and you know he's in it, and he's a 35 year old skier from Alberta, Canada, home of weed, uh, named Eric Horlufsen. Uh, Horlufsen, uh, they call him Hoji. Um, and I guess it, it he was nominated for Powder Magazine's Best Line of the Year, and they're saying he's. Um, you know, very humble guy and just incredible work ethic and gear fascination. They, they said, um, it's a, uh, it's pretty, pretty cool movie. Uh, the, the trailer looks pretty neat. They do such a good job. They do like the Zen like experience of, of a ski film, which is nice. You get into that whole, um, you know, like the Zen theme of, of skiing, what it is to be skiing and what it means to be there and stuff. So it's kind of cool. I would suggest uh, hit the link on our show notes and you can watch the trailer. Very cool. Yeah. And I know, you know, we, uh, we already had our, we conducted our interview for the the main topic of the podcast already. And we talked about it then, but you know, the, uh, the Warren Miller, the face of winter, they, uh, they did a, 
just the trailer alone, I mean, it's amazing. And, you know, it even says here, it says, bring some tissues because this tribute is a tearjerker. And I know for me, just watching it, I got really emotional. Because, again, it's the first first movie since Warren Miller passed away back in January. And they show him throughout years. And they play the song by Odessa called Meridian, which is like the perfect soundtrack for, you know, for all the emotions and all the build up they want you to uh, to have in this movie. And it's uh, it just it looks unbelievable. I uh, I'm so excited to check this out. We're going to be part of the um, the street team for one of the showings here in New Jersey. And I, uh, I cannot wait to get there and to, to watch that movie in November. Yeah, lots of fun. I tell you what, so I watched with my new girlfriend. Yeah, I'll say it on 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 air. I was trying to get her to be part of the podcast today, at least in the studio audience, because she she actually listens to when you post it, she listens to it right then. Because she drives a lot during the day. So she says she listens to it during the whole day. I'm like, that's a keeper. That's, that's awesome. And she gives feedback. So it, it's good. It's good to have the, those super fans, uh, which is why I'm dating her. Um <laughs> But I actually, she sat and watched with me. Now she's from Canada. Oh, wait. Um, but, um, she actually sat there. We sat one night and we watched, um, Warren Miller's 50. Um, cause I have the, the DVD still. And she sat through the whole thing, loved it. And, and really is like, wow, that looks really cool. And Warren Miller is one of the things where it kind of gets you into that zone of like, this is, the, the magic of skiing and what it means to you is what it's about. You know, the, the great video footage is, is awesome to get you pumped up, but then it comes down to like, you know, the, the thoughts and, and experiences you have, which is cool. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that. And that's, this trailer does that perfectly, especially with that, that song in there playing it's, it's perfectly done. And I know we talked about it last year and even when we had rich on here from all that, I pray and him and I, we, we were watching it together last year and uh, the, the moose, eh, the music, the music movie the music <laughs> in the movie, the last, the line of descent. Mm. And it seems like this one too, they've been getting the music. They've been playing some great music in the, the last one. And now this one. So nice. hopefully they keep that up. And, you know, I, we talked about it a, a bunch of episodes ago. There's a Spotify playlist out there with all these, uh, all the music from a lot of the different ski movies. And I have noticed some glaring air, um, missing song because i was watching a couple of i just one day just put on like the red bull channel mm-hmm. on uh on apple tv awesome. and just just had him play ski movies through and i heard a lot of songs that i really like that i knew that weren't on that list so mm. you know you can't beggars can't be choosers you get, you know, what, you get, critici- right? you get what you pay for i'm not criticizing the playlist i'm just saying you're missing a lot of really good songs yeah. that should be on there like Dude, red bull tv is fucking awesome isn't it I Red Bull, Red Bull as a company, as a brand, it just, it still fascinates me every single day. They started with this shitty, disgusting beverage. They used to, excuse me, come in little (laughs) tiny little miniature cans. They're like, whoa, you can't drink any more than like four ounces. And now it's like 32 ounce Red Bulls and they have, they sponsor people jumping from fucking outer space onto earth. Like the, 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 Think about what they're doing. Some of the specials they have done, like they sponsored like the guy jumping from the highest altitude. From space. Uh, what the hell is his name? I forgot Nolan his name. Baumgartner. Baumgartner. They sponsored that. And the documentary on that was phenomenal. It was yeah. great. Because they talked about like all the people that tried it before and why it's such a big record. Um, there was another one they did on just like, 
Uh, what was the other one? Look, I mean, we were talking about some crashed of the sports. Ice. Yeah. Crashed ice, the fluke tog they have on there. Like all the other all freaking these sports. Yeah. They have the car racing up on the ski mountains. And if you go to the uh, online, you can, you can watch it. And when you go to their site now, it's like there's all these sub-sites because there's so many different brands and so many sports that they're just making huge. But they did a documentary on – they did a wingsuit flyby of the, the new trade center when it was built for the um, – I think it was for the opening – and they did a whole thing on on the people preparing to do that that wingsuit dive, and they were flying in formation, like right past the freaking uh, the new the you know Freedom Tower, and it, it's freaking um, pretty amazing. I gotta say, it, it kind of you know makes you feel very uh, patriotic, but you see the work that goes into just like a little flyby. I'm like, wow, these guys trained in like Switzerland for like a long you know a few months before they did that jump. Yeah. Well, think about it. They sponsor like that free ride world tour, you know, they just, the the things that they've done and the way they just have pushed sports. And I mean, they're in formula one, which is one of the most expensive sports to ever compete in. I mean, it's there. It's an absolutely fascinating company. And to again, start from some weird, gross drink to, to turn it into this empire. Yeah, it's so amazing. But we've even talked about recently about other other companies where we're like, you know, maybe their product is is this or that or people have one way. But you talk about the big ones like Coca-Cola, like Budweiser, like they sponsor these crazy events that you're like, wow, if they didn't have them as a sponsor, it would be hard to scrape up that much money to sponsor some of these events. You know, true, but they also, I mean, you don't see Coca Cola inventing new sports, right? They don't invent, but they're sponsoring like some of the, you know, the free ride, you know, tours and and some of like the ski events and stuff like that, which is pretty cool to see, you know. But to see what I mean, you don't see you don't see Four Loco inventing new sports. Oh, dude, that would be great. Can you imagine a Four Loco invented sport? It would be like smash up derby on crack or something like that. It'd be crazy. It's like it'd be like a miniature triathlon. You're gonna chug this. For loco, you're going to sprint for a hundred yards. And you're going to ride a motorcycle backwards for for uh, a half a mile. And you're going to like swim up a waterfall like Michael Phelps. I want to see one of the uh, the, the air races that they have because uh, supposedly those are awesome. My cousin went to one out in San Diego when he was out there, and he said it was a freaking party all day. And he'd see these planes racing above, and they said, he said it was freaking it was amazing. They had it in Jersey City a couple of years ago. Yeah, and they only had it like one year, and then they moved it, right? Yeah, everyone died who was flying in it, so. There's too much traffic. It caused a traffic jam. People yeah. reported planes flying up ahead. That's probably a problem. Um, so, yeah, there's uh, these trailers all look so awesome, and they're going to be so much fun to watch. So hopefully you'll get a chance to get out there and check them out, because I know we are going to. Yeah. Next up, airline pricing coming to Northwest ski areas. Now, this is interesting because, you know, we've, we'll get into it a little bit, but we've talked a lot about the different passes that are out there now. You know, the big ones obviously being the Epic and the um, Icon Pass. But some of these other resorts that are not on those passes are starting to experiment with different ways of pricing. And Mount Hood Meadows in Oregon has decided to try an airplane-style ticketing. What that means is it's got dynamic pricing and... The inspiration comes from how airlines and hotels price their products. 
that he said the resorts want to use lift ticket pricing to deter overcrowding. This isn't so much us trying to maximize how much money we can make on a peak day. It's much more of us trying to manage the peak day experience by giving incentives to people to come during off-peak times. We feel the system is enough out there that people have experienced it that they'll understand. So on good snow days during winter holidays or weekends, parking lots at Mount Hood can get reach capacity and latecomers get turned away. So what they're trying to do is, you know, jack those prices up on certain days and then on slow days, crank them down to like 49 bucks. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a good idea, especially for the small uh, places because the big passes, like you mentioned, they're going to have their followers. They're going to have a lot of people going to certain areas on the, on the holidays. So it's a way for them to get their fair share too. You know, I think it's good. I mean, you know, resorts in general have like the <laughs> midweek and the weekend pricing, but I guess this kind of takes to the next level. Yeah, you're going to have daily, like, it's like a hotel, you know, basically that's what it is. I mean, you go to Atlantic City um, Sunday through Friday and it's, you know, you can get a room for anywhere from 60 bucks to 120 bucks. You go on a Saturday night, you're paying 425 bucks for that same room. 650 if you go on the Saturday night of Labor Day weekend at the Ocean Resort and Casino. There you go. So that's kind of the pricing that they're talking about because everybody is off and wants to go on a Saturday. So that'll be the prime time, you know, why not? People are still going to pay it. All right. Next up we have Burton pass along is what they're talking, what they're calling it. And they're giving gear a second chance. And what this is, is Burton trying to help people uh, repurpose their, their stuff. So rather than either put stuff into garbage or landfill, um, they're saying, you know, most of the stuff that people throw in the trash could have been recycled, reused or repurposed. So, uh, Burton's is, is setting up, uh, they have a program and they're saying, um, to keep clothing gear in use and out of landfill for as long as possible, you bring your Burton gear, uh, to them and they'll give you a credit towards new purchases. Uh, and what that's going to do is they can either, um, refurbish it. They can uh, do something with it to hopefully give it new life, and then you can get your new your new stuff if you want. Um, I think it's great for everybody, man. It's like it's kind of the idea of like a, an organized ski swap. Yeah, and what's cool about it too is because you know a lot of people who are new to skiing or, or snowboarding, it's always tough for them to make that financial commitment to buying the gear and the equipment. To yeah, do it right. Because you know a lot of times. If you're going in there with your jeans or your sweatpants and your, you know, your, you don't have the right equipment going in, you could have a bad experience that first time, you know. So right. Having something like this set up where you can get some some quality gear that yeah maybe it's a year or two old but it's used once or twice and the person wanted to buy something new or just get rid of their stuff, you know, it's a great opportunity for those people to to get in get stuff that they need the right equipment so they can have a great experience and then hopefully become fans of the sport and make it a, you know, a lifetime commitment. Yeah. I think it's great because it's a win for everybody. So Burton wins out because they're making money in between, but they're also doing something good. You went out if you have your gear, cause you're trading it in to try to get new gear, you get a credit for something you would have donated or tried to sell on let, you know, on Craigslist or something like that, or at a ski swap. Um, but you got to wait for a ski swap, you know? So now you trade it in Burton, We'll clean it and get it redistributed for use and probably offer it at a lower price for somebody that doesn't have the money or doesn't want to pay that much for that gear. So it's kind of everybody wins out. I think it's great. Yeah. 
Yeah, for a uh, a dickhead company that didn't want to hire me for a particular role, I've been great for. <laughs> but you're not bitter. It's a wonderful, <laughs> it's a wonderful program they have in place. Dude, I love Burton stuff too. I have Burton gloves, which I like. Uh, I don't wear them a lot because I wear my uh, Hester's, but I got Burton pants that are fucking great. And they're snowboard pants, but I wear them for skiing and they're, oh, they're so, so comfortable. Nice. Mm. But yeah, this is a great idea. I almost think, does REI do something like this? I know they do the gear. They do the, um, if you return something, they do the uh, garage sale every month or so. And I think they take returned items, but I don't think they're used. I think they're just anything you return. So even if you used it, but like return it within the 30 or 45 days they give you, they sell it back at the garage sale. So they kind of do something like this, maybe not as formal because they're actually taking the stuff and cleaning it and reconditioning and then putting it back out for sale. Whereas the garage sale is like, you got to look out for the flyer and you get some great deals now. Yeah. No, this is really cool. And yeah, it's again, you know, a lot of this stuff is still in, in great shape. So, you know, why, why throw it out when someone else would be really happy to be able to use it? Well, to you, it's again, one person's trash is another's treasure. So, dude, I think you know. I still have my old boots because I'm like, they're good boots and I don't want to throw them out. It's, it just seems ridiculous. It seems like a waste. So my, boots? Yeah, my Dalbellas that I have. Yeah, I still have my, uh, my Fishers floating around somewhere. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to get rid of them because they're good. They still fit me. I theoretically could still wear them, but I'm like, I wouldn't want to throw them out. And I'm like, the more I hold them, the more I think like somebody could use them, but I don't know how to pair up my size with somebody that needs ski boots with that person, you know, like I would just give it to somebody. Yeah. it's. I remember after I got, you know, after we went and got our, uh, our, our boots, you know, made at Surefoot, I remember just going to talk to people and go like, what can I do with my old boots? And most people have no idea. Some people said, uh, go to play it against sports because they'll resell it, especially for sporting goods. Like, you know, you don't, you don't need a basketball. Somebody will take that basketball and use it. I mean, you need a, a bat, you don't have, you have baseball bat, you don't use it anymore. Somebody's going to take, especially like kids stuff, you know, well, kids stuff is so lightly used. Well, kids stuff. And I know, you know, I, I've played hockey most of my life and, you know, that's one of those sports too, where everything is so expensive that, you know, if you could, at least get a little bit back after you use a piece of gear for a year or two. Maybe again, as a kid, you outgrow it or you want something newer that, you know, again, it's expensive to get into. And if you could have some equipment that's lightly used in still good shape and someone who wants to get involved can get it at a discounted price, it, it's a win-win again. You know, you get a few bucks for your older gear that you don't need and someone else can get that gear at a cheaper price and they can, you know, hopefully become a fan of the sport for life. Yeah. Oh, they still have played again all over. I think they they shut down their footprint as much as they had in Jersey. It looks like Deptford is where they have the the nearest one. Then they have Long Island. There's a few of them, and then they have a bunch in Tampa. Oh, there you go. Down by me. But well, I guess the problem is though, to Tampa, you're not. It's not exactly a hotbed for ski stuff. Yeah, but Tampa, like, um, you know what it is? Everybody surfboards and body bodyboards and all sorts of shit like that for the beach. Like people have. Yeah, so it's a it's a great practice, and you know we should we should be able to do that more often. If anyone has any ideas of what you can do with old ski boots, hit us up ski bump podcast at gmail dot com because we need some ideas. Because I know we both have a couple pairs that you know could hopefully get into someone else, onto someone else's feet. I'd there. love I'd love to give it to somebody that can't afford to buy it, just to that wants to get into the sport. That'd be great. There's a program that's available. Let us know because we will. I will definitely be all into that. Yeah, definitely. So that wraps up the ski news. So we're going to roll into our main topic. 
And we had a, a, a special guest interview this week, and we've talked to him before. It's our friend Matt Pepin from the Boston Globe. He's the sports editor there. And we wanted to catch up with him and see how he's preparing for the ski season. He's got a great newsletter called It's All Downhill. And by the time this podcast goes live, the latest edition will have just come out. It was monthly during the summer, and now it's officially gone into weekly mode because ski season has begun. And we had a great chat with him, and we're looking forward to meeting up with him at the Boston Ski and Snow Expo in early November. Here's our interview with our friend Matt at Matt Pep 15 on Twitter. And that's where you get the link to the it's all downhill newsletter. And we hope you enjoy it, Matt. Welcome. And thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. This is uh, quite an honor to, you know, get a, get a double header in one year with you guys. Oh no, it's an honor having you on. You're always, you're always full of great information. You know, last time we talked to you, it was the summer. Everyone was kind of hot and we were, you know, reminiscing about the previous ski season, but now we are on the, uh, I guess it's the eve of the opening of East Coast Ski Resorts. So we figure we'd have a chat with you and then see how you're getting ready for the upcoming season. Yeah, well, just today I actually tweeted out some photos that like uh, my people up at Killington and Sunday River had uh, had sent me. Like, they give me the heads up on, you know, when they're going to fire this up fire up the snow guns and all that. And, you know, it's always that big race between those two to like, who can be first, who can be first. And yeah. it, it's kind of funny. Cause you know, in the end, if you went, if you went skiing there tomorrow, it's not going to be that great. You know, it's just going to be you're one trail. Say that you're skiing. That's just it. And That's it. Your friends to the mountain. And you can get yeah. that. Uh, don't they give out t-shirts usually too at Killington? They have like the, uh, the day one shirts that you can yeah. get. That's yeah. Cool. Usually. Cause you, just, you know, obviously it's a big deal. I'm sure you get your picture in the paper up there and all that and out on social media, but if you're gunning for that hundred day, uh, that hundred day cap, you know, you got to start out on day one. So yeah, definitely. Definitely. I just like that. I just like the notion that, you know, winter's here, man. When, when places are open, that means, you know, all the anticipation it's starting to become reality. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. And it, it's funny too, because last week I know Boston was probably the same as it was down by down here in New Jersey. You know, we had those couple days where it was like 70 degrees and muggy and you're like, when is this stupid summer going to just end? Yeah. And then all of a sudden like storms rolled through that hurricane popped through. And then all of a sudden it just dropped and you're like, Ooh, this is fall. And it feels like it's deep into fall already. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they had they had games at Fenway Park uh, last week and like all the players are wearing balaclavas under their helmets and whatnot. <laughs> and it's like, you know, they're they're all going they're all going, you know, full, full cold prevention mode. It was it was hilarious. That, so that to me isn't even how baseball ought to be. Yeah, right. But two days before they were like dripping sweat. Right. 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 You know, all summer long they play in shirt sleeves and it's like, you know, great to go to great to go to the ballpark and have a couple of beers and just chill in the evening after work. But now, I mean, Holy crap. It's so cold there. I, I don't, I wouldn't even like it. I'd rather watch from my home. As cold as it might be, it's still not XFL cold because that's the coldest XFL. I've ever experienced as a, uh, watching any sporting event being at giant stadium in February. <laughs> that was not yeah. fun. I know the feeling. I on when I was at the Olympics, I went like the third or fourth day I was there. I went to biathlon just because I hadn't gone to like any actual events, and I'm like, you know, what? I just got to go to something. And so I go to biathlon because it was really close to the media center, 
And holy crap, it was freezing, absolutely freezing. And I'm just sitting there like, why did I do this again? <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it was it was just bitter, bitter cold. But did you do you know, the, uh, Did you go to the Big Air in uh, Fenway? Was it two years ago? Yeah, yeah, that was like three three years ago, and that was um, that was uh, yeah, it was really cold. I remember we had tickets. I took my whole family because my my uh, kids especially love that stuff. Because I was and, uh, I was really cold up there, right? Yeah, yeah snow that year. I think it was it was bitterly cold that time. It was they did it in February. And I know my wife and daughter, they bailed. My, my sons and I stayed <laughs> till the end. But uh, my wife and daughter bailed out. It was too cold for them. They were the smart ones, right? Yep. Yep. Well, well this year, Crash Ice is going to be up there in February. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we broke that story back in uh, a couple, like a month or so ago. Maybe a little bit more than that. And um, that's going to be pretty interesting. You know, that's some, that's some crazy stuff, the, the way those guys do that. Everyone was... Everyone was asking me. I'll never forget. I was in the, the morning news meeting with all the editors here at the Globe, and uh, and I brought my computer, which I normally don't do because I can just tell them what I have to do and and look at my phone while they're all babbling the rest of the day. And uh, but I brought my computer so I could project the images up on the screen, and they're all like, you know, oh my god, holy shit, everything when they uh, saw what I was talking about, and I showed a little video from YouTube from like Red Bull's channel, and yeah. they were. Just they were just blown away by what this was going to be. It's hard to describe. And then you got to tell people and they're like, and then you show them and they're just like, Holy crap, this is a real thing. But I think they're, they're rebranding it now as ice cross downhill. Yeah. Yeah. So Cause kind of of like, ice, it was a cool name, but no one knew what it meant. Had you ever seen this map before this was announced? Yeah, I knew what it was. Okay. I knew what it was because I actually subscribed to the, um, to the Red Bull media uh, newsletter and like they have the Red Bull. It's great for all the extreme sports they do. They have um, this huge media center and they make videos and photos and all kinds of stuff, news items available to members of the media. Okay. And uh, so I knew what it was. And when, um, and when the people we knew up here who gave us the information that this was happening, you know, we, we then checked it out right away so we could prepare everything we needed to do when we, when we broke that story. That's okay, nice. cool. Cause, yeah, because Mario kind of showed me this maybe like, I don't know, it was probably three or four years ago when they first came out with it. It's like it's yeah. just on the Red Bull channel, right? On the like Apple TV? It was on the Red, yeah, the Red Bull channel, Apple TV, like, because all that stuff was free. And they had a lot of cool videos there. And I saw it and I was like, I got to show Brian this. And I was trying to talk him into like trying out for it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, because again, like, I grew up playing hockey. You know, I mm. love skiing. I'm like, this, if this existed when I was in my teens, like I, this would have been my sport because it's yeah. like, you know, you kind of get the best of, you know, some of the craziness of hockey, put the craziness of skiing together in this one amazing sport. But like, how do you even practice this? Like, that's the thing I don't get. Like, how do you, cause it's, it's not like it's a, a simple thing to set up. I mean, it's a massive multi-day yep. operation to get this thing even set up to work. Well, on the Red Bull side, I actually saw they were on a, a mountain bike, um, trail in the summer with, um, rollerblades and, and they were zipping down on that thing. Yeah. You, you gotta look at the, the site. They have like a training thing. And I'm like, that is crazy. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how they make it. I know that it's all like done with scaffolding and you know, they have, they have the, um, the, I guess an image of what the course is going to look like on the, where you go to buy tickets. Yeah. 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 I have those. We put those in our story that they had sent us the, the, like the schematics or the renderings yeah. of what Fenway park is going to look like. And it's kind of cool because it starts out in the bleachers and then there's like a, you know, a long straightaway to get started and then a bunch of curves and then it curves around the bases and ends at home plate. That's oh, great. that's awesome. 
Yeah, that's kind of the, that's kind of the way they did Big Air, where Big Air they had the the tower rose up above the green monster, and then it came down, and and all the the best seats were right behind home plate because that's where they were landing, and that's where the, like the you know like the corral area was after you after you complete your jump. Wow, that's really slick. I'm not, I'm actually surprised it fits in the stadium. I don't know, maybe I'm just delusional because it always seemed like the ones they did. You know, I think they did it in like um. Was it Quebec City and Edmonton? Quebec City was the big one, yeah. And Minneapolis, St. Paul. And they they looked, I mean, it looked like it was just gigantic, almost like a city block or bigger, the amount of space they needed for this thing. But maybe because of the way it kind of can spiral, it's not as, it's not as, doesn't need as much, you know, width, more just height. So I think that's what's uh, definitely happening in this one. It's going to be a lot of turns to kind of like, you know, fit it into that compact space. It's like I said, starts above the bleachers. And then it'll just come straight down across the outfield. And then it starts, and then it starts like doubling back a few times. And then you make your way to the infield and then around the infield toward the home plate. That's, That's cool. cool. So it, does look, it looks like they're going to have people in the stands and not near, because I guess the other videos that I've seen of like Quebec City and all, there's people lined all along the, the you know, the yeah. course. And I guess this, they're all going to be like at stadium style seating so they can watch it. I think that's how it would have to be. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I would think that the lower level seats probably wouldn't be as good as the upper level seats. Right. Yeah. You can't see anything looking up because of the, right. the, the walls of each of the, the course. Yep. I'm also interested to see if they do like, you know, cause it looks like they have bands and people are just having like a big party there. So I wonder if it's going to be like that in the parking lot or like they're, they're going to have a lot of stuff set up. Cause they usually put on a lot of other stuff with the Red Bull events. Yeah, well, you know, for Red Sox games, they shut down the streets all around the park. And um, so there's plenty of room there for that kind of stuff. Nice. I just think that I just think that they'll get good attendance because the whole point of doing this in a place like Fenway Park is like that, you know, is like that do something in an unusual place because just by doing that, it attracts interest. You know, that's what was cool about Big Air was they wanted to raise the level of that sport. And so they put it in someplace really interesting. Like, you know, like that's when they started doing football games and baseball stadiums and, and, you know, like all those fish out of water kind of things or, or things that like were being held in places that they weren't normally because it kind of, if they just had that game wherever it was supposed to be that year, it wouldn't be nowhere near as interesting as if they do it in Yankee stadium, you know, like when Notre Dame played army or something like that in Yankee stadium. Look at the winter classic. I mean, how, how amazing that turned out to be. Those, uh, the the stadium series, you know, for the NHL. This has been yeah, tremendous. we've had we've had two winter classics up here. One was at one was in Fenway Park, and one was in Gillette Stadium, where the Patriots play. Nice, right? Yeah. Nice. So they do a lot of that. In fact, they're having football inside Fenway Park in November. Um, Harvard's playing Yale, and the in uh, that's the one of the biggest college football rivalries ever. So oh yeah, Harvard play Yale, a bunch of high school games, and a couple of other college games, and they do stuff like that all the time in Fenway, where they have. Um, you know, they have concerts all summer when the Red Sox are on the road. They have, uh, and they have. Pearl Jam's always there, right? What's that? Pearl Jam is always there. Yep. That's always yep. a big show. Yep. Yep. Pearl Jam, they country. They have, you know, a lot of stuff. The MLB stadiums, I think, they're all doing like soccer friendlies too in the summer, right? It seems. Yeah. Yeah. They've, they've, had the, soccer, they've had soccer in there. Like uh, the Sox owners own part of Liverpool, is it? Owns all of it. Owns all of it now. Wow. Yeah, John Henry. He owns the globe too. Oh, nice. So I guess you can you can see one of those soccer friendlies. 
Yeah. <laughs> yep. You should be able to get tickets. <laughs> All right. No, it's cool. Yeah, surprisingly, they're actually not too, uh, not too frequent around here. Got to work on them. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, they're trying, trying to promote soccer, you know, in, the, in this country. So it's, it's nice that they're doing the friendlies at least. And yeah. they're doing it on a regular basis too. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And especially in the summer, like when the, when like premier league teams and, and European, all the famous European teams, like I know this summer it was like, like, uh, Roma, Roma and Liverpool played here in Boston once. And then, and then there've been a lot of other ones, you know, and I just, yeah, I, saw, you know, I saw Paris and Chelsea and Yankee stadium. Yeah. Yeah. They, and because that's like their off season before, or when they're doing like their, um, you know, like their practice rounds, their, their, their preseason, you know, it's just like American teams go elsewhere for their own preseasons because it helps them expand their brand. Like the Bruins um, spent two weeks in China in uh, oh, wow. September as part of their preseason. And a couple of years ago, the Celtics went to like Turkey and Italy. So it's pretty common for, I think for these like sort of foreign exchange to help expand your brand where there's a, a potential big fan base overseas. Yeah, that cool. Bruins in, in Calgary over in China was pretty cool. I know you, you tweeted out a bunch of stuff. You know, yeah. I guess you, you guys had a guy over there, right? Following we did, him? Yeah, we sent our Bruins beat writer with them and he traveled with the team and uh, they played two games over there. So it was pretty cool. He said the fans were just, they looked like they're having a blast over there. Yeah. Well, you know, China's trying to um, ramp up interest in winter sports ahead of, uh, they have the next Winter Olympics in Beijing. That's right. That's going to be the, mm. what, the first, uh, the first ever. Uh, I guess snow and Alpine events that aren't going to have any real snow at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I heard that it was all going to be like man-made because the regions they're having them in aren't like, aren't awesome for natural snow. Yeah. That's uh wow. Hey, who knows that maybe that could pave the way for New York in the winter Olympics and having skiing at that indoor mountain in New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> I just drove by that in the summer. Um, it's funny you mentioned that. And uh, cause they're building that thing at the Meadowlands, right? Yeah. The, uh, it used to be called Xanadu and it was supposed to open like right around when like the financial crisis happened in 08 and everything fell apart. I think yeah. it was, like, ready to open. And it took them yeah, 10 years to get that thing open. It's, it's been on the construction for like 15 years now, right? Pretty much. Now, yeah. it's open. <laughs> it's but now so, it's going to be a reality, right? It's opening in March apparently. Yeah. 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 So we're trying to reach out to the folks who are uh, running it to maybe get an inside story and do like a little video report there because they're trying to make it out to be this like really awesome, you know, like fun, like ski area, big apres ski scene down there. Um, right. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I it's uh, it's anyone's guess at this point, but it'll at least be cool to to be there to, to check it out. Yeah. yeah, we had heard from one of our buddies. Yeah, we had heard from one of our buddies at one of the ski shops that there was, I guess, one of the organizations that does a lot of training was trying to run the programs there and have oh. like real, like I mean, like real top, top notch training there. So it'd be cool to see who gets the contract for that. That makes a lot of sense. Cause that'd be interesting. You get like actual real ski training going on there. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's like, you know, right now, like the U S ski racers and all that, they have to go to South America for the, for their, like, when, when it's North American summer and spring and fall, they go down South to get their um, training time in on snow training time. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have to <laughs> it's so bad for them. 
Yeah, right. They were talking about someone last week when I guess uh, a couple of the, uh, actually they weren't American. They were, were they Dutch skiers? They were doing the Wim Hof method. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with that no, guy. That? He's like this, this guy, he's, um, they call him the Iceman and he climbed Mount Everest in shorts. Like he's, he's like swam like under ice water for like two minutes. He has this whole like breathing technique and it's like a, Guru, ice guru. He's you gotta look him up. The guy's thing is like ice, like water and snow and ice based, and uh, he has this whole like Wim Hof method that he uh, he you know preaches. And these oh. these uh, female skiers went down to I think it was was it Valley Nevado I think or I think it was Valley Nevado, and they were in this in this pond and they were practicing that technique. And they said it actually helps with recovery. You know, they they have all the cryo the cryotherapy yeah. they now, and you know they've always had ice baths that they did. And this is kind of like the next evolution of that. Wow, interesting. It was really neat, yeah. Working superhumans. <laughs> Matt, so um, I know you, we've been uh, we've been checking out your newsletter. You know, I guess you're ramping it up now with ski season starting up. Yeah, new one tomorrow. New one tomorrow. Look at that. Yeah. Actually, Ooh. by the time this podcast will probably be out right after this come that comes out, then. Um, yeah, yeah, that's cool. So I'll tell you what it's about. It's about my take on the whole epic versus icon. Passes. Oh, good. Uh, yes, that's been a hot topic reading. everywhere these days. The headline, the headline is going to be "None Shall Pass." Mm. So I'm not oh. buying. Oh, good <laughs> <for> you. <laughs> yeah, you I know, mean, yeah, I just think that I just think that the value proposition for me isn't. It just wouldn't work out, you know. I just couldn't go enough at the places, but I speculated like if I was going to do it, what's, um, you know, like. If I was going to look at it just from a New England standpoint, right, where it's, that's where I would do 99% of my skiing, what would be the better option? And so, you know, one of them has six and one of them has uh, three New England resorts. And so I kind of like weighed the options for me personally, just just me, you know, not anyone else in New England. I mean, you got to make your own judgment. But, but from my standpoint, I looked at the which ones I would be more likely to um, – go to based on, you know, work and like distance and how much I would have to travel to get to these places and, you know, and other things about what I like about them. Yeah. So, so did you, so can you uh, reveal since this will be out after the newsletter comes out, what, uh, what, which one would you have chosen if you had to choose? Yeah, yeah, sure. I, so I would, um, I would get the Epic pass because uh, even though that has three, that has only three New England resorts. It has um, Okemo, Stowe, and Mount Sunapee. And um, the Icon Pass in New England has six, including out of those six, I was looking at them, and I think like if you told me to make to make a top five New England list, four, four of the resorts on the Icon Pass would be um, – are, are there would be on my list of top five. Right. Plus but, you also get snowshoe in West Virginia. Yeah, okay. <laughs> let's not, <laughs> no, let's not sleep on snowshoe. Right. <laughs> but the reason I would go for Epic is because, uh, so Mount Sunapee is less than two hours from Boston. It is like the easiest drive to get to, uh, nice. cause it's all interstate highway. And you know, if I was, if I had a pass like that, I'd probably take a ton of weekdays off and zoom up there and make full days out of it because on weekends it's crowded because exactly the reasons I just told you, you know, like so close to Boston, so easy to get to. Right. And, uh, 
and uh, it's all highway all the way. But it's but it's like it's like the closest it's like the closest thing to Boston that I would put into like the big mountain category. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, there's there's other little, you know, smaller size mountains that are only, you know, a thousand vertical feet or something like that. But Sunapee is is pretty big and it's got a lot of terrain. So that's like a straight shot of 93 to 89. You're pretty much yep. there. Yep. Yep. And then you get off and you're only off the highway on, on a pretty on a decent road anyway for like, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes more or something like that. But but it can it can be crazy crowded. And I don't know how the Epic Pass will um, affect that, you know, because I would think that if anything, it might make it even more crowded. Just right. because, because it's, you know, it's included. Yeah. Value. But I have a feeling I have a feeling that was the play. That was what that was why you know, Epic wanted to acquire that place was because they wanted to have a place that's really close to the Boston market. You know, this, you know, this is a huge population area. So sure, it's that extra, it's that extra bang for your buck. Like if you're in that Boston area, like I'm just definitely going to get that one. Cause you're going to use that, you know, the other yeah. ones, it's kind of like, you got to look at where you're going to travel. If you, if you're doing a big trip, that's kind of like a lot of people that we've talked to, they're like, well, you know, they're going to do like park city and Whistler. So it's kind of like, all right, you go for, whatever the epic pass because those are included but you know you got to kind of look around where you're going to go yeah exactly that's it i mean there's no question that places like killington and sunday river and sugarloaf being on the icon pass are really attractive and i you know i love those places in fact i booked my buddy trip this year we're going to sunday river and um so so you know so that's another factor i already i already have that booked and paid for so that includes the lift tickets so i wouldn't really seven days that's a lot yeah, exactly. That's really but, cool. But every single one of those is more like three and a half hours from Boston, you know, right. Stratton, to go to Stratton or to go to um, Killington or Sunday River. Each of those would be three and a half. Sugarloaf would be like five. Uh, Sugarbush would be like four something. So those are, those are big commitments, whereas I can get to Okemo in three, Mount Sunapee in less than two. And uh, Stowe would be pretty far, but but that would be like, you know, you'd splurge to go up there. That would be, especially since it was on the pass. So to me, I would I would go to Okemo and Sunapee a lot more than I would go to the other the other six places on an icon. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I if I lived in, you know, Nashua, New Hampshire, there's no question I'd go for the icon pass just because it has six really, really great resorts. It's interesting. We were tweeting with Magic Mountain the last couple of days because they they posted something. I guess it was. I. It sounds like the conclusion is kind of similar to yours, but it was. Uh, I think it was Bloomberg or Bloomberg Business or something. They were talking about the different passes and how you know the the big losers in all this seem to be the small and middle sized resorts. You know because they're not part of that. Um, but you know going back and forth with them, we're talking like, well, you know, I guess it's going to be interesting to see over the next year or two, maybe three years. How are these individual resorts really going to benefit from this? You know, with Vail being a public company, they have to disclose a lot more. But yeah. Altera being still a private company, they don't have to, I guess, disclose as much as who's getting what or, you know, how they're breaking down uh, payment to each of the resorts or, you know, because that's, I think, going to be a big difference in how many of these places want to stay on these passes. Because, again, I don't know if there's some sort of agreement they've locked themselves into, like we're going to be on your pass for two years, five years, 10 years, forever, whatever. You know, yeah. uh, it seems like yeah. there's a lot of ambigu- ambiguity still that's going to you know play out over the next couple of years. I'm sure there's term limits, and I can imagine eventually resorts switching passes. That'd be pretty funny to say. 
They can have like yeah. raids. Yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Although I, I know that in the case of like Epic, you know, there was big news when they, they acquired the rights to operate um, Okimo and Mount Sonope. So, wow. so, you know, so those are, they're kind of, I don't think they can go anywhere. You know, those are going to be, those are going to be locked in on that pass. I don't know the arrangements with the others, like, like Loon and Sunday River and Sugarloaf are all owned by Boyne Resorts. And so, so they must be opting in or having some kind of like corporate partnership to make them available on, on those passes on the icon pass. Right. So, yeah. So like what you're saying is, is probably going to be true. Like they'll have to evaluate, like, is this really beneficial for us and what's it doing to our crowds and what's it doing to our bottom line. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's one other story we're talking about in the podcast this week is um, over in, on the West coast, uh, Mount Hood has announced they're going to do the uh, the airline style pricing for their lift tickets. Yeah. So they're going to, I guess, based on demand, they're going to adjust how much the prices are. So, yep. you know, and I think a few hundred dollars one day, a hundred dollars another day, it's going to be nuts. 20 bucks on a Wednesday, you know, who knows? Yeah. So uh, you, you wonder, you really do just wonder how this is all going to work out. You know, is it going to make places more crowded, less interesting? And just seeing the yeah. results of how many people buying these passes this year, you know, everyone's probably super excited. I know Costco was selling them the icon pass for a couple of weeks, I think. Oh, really? Summer. Yeah, there was, uh, yeah. I think, because I went to the, uh, the ski.com show in New York and then talked to the guy from icon. And I think they chose maybe like 15 or so Costco's, maybe it was 15 or 20 that were closer to the, you know, ski areas. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they were selling them at like a hundred dollar discounted rate. Like the uh, the early bird rates, I think it was like five hundred nine, like five ninety nine, I think, for the full yeah. icon pass at Costco, which is pretty interesting. I do think that, do think that um, smaller or independent resorts are still going to be really viable because they are going to offer, you know, a really good a really good deal anyway. Like you know, like if if the places that are on the passes start to get really crowded, and meanwhile, in order to compete, places like Magic and others are going to offer good deals then it seems to me like a lot of people may, may consider them as a real, as a real option. You know, like I love going to magic. I went there last year, had a blast with my, uh, with my kids. And I, you know, that's another reason I don't really want to lock into a pass because I like to be able to, you know, bounce around to different places there, you know, there's a place in Western mass called Berkshire East that I love, you know, it's just a small little place, but you know, it's a lot of fun and it's usually not tremendously crowded. So even on weekends, you can have a really good time there. And uh, I think there, there are a lot of places like that. In, well, I imagine uh, now for holidays too, like, you, like you're saying, you know, yeah. you hit MLK weekend and it's kind of nuts everywhere. And now with the passes, there's going to be so many people going to those resorts. The other yeah. ones might be the better deal. Like right. even if you pay more money, you'll get less people on the mountain. Exactly. That, that might be, you know, that might be the point where you think that's, that's a better deal for you personally, because you'd, you'd rather do that. I, I would never go to Loon on the weekend. I mean, that place is, out of control. And even Mount Sunapee can be really, really just absolutely mobbed. And you wait, you know, 45 minutes to an hour in every lift line versus going to a place like Berkshire East or, you know, someplace that's a little more remote and maybe, and maybe, you know, getting a ton of runs in, you know, every, you know, the lines are only 10 minutes or less, maybe. Well, you think if these smaller ones start doing the variable pricing too, like if that spreads, they can make a lot more money just on those key weekends where it's not as crowded. You know, also magic is doing that whiteout pass where it's uh, I think it's oh, like yeah. 250 or 279 and you get uh, the week of Christmas. And I think 
MLK and President's Weekends. Oh. Which is pretty cool. So, like, you know, if, if you're one of those people, like, if you're a teacher, I know because uh, yeah. our buddy, All About I Pray Rich, he, uh, he's a teacher. And, you know, for him, something like that is just, that's gold right there. For, yeah. for under 300 bucks to get all those weekends in the, that big Christmas week. And again, too, that's always a that's always a big one for probably Epic and Icon Pass resorts. You know, even if you're uh, you're doing Killington just that week, you know, you're you go there and it, it will pay for a good portion of your pass right there. Now, exactly. it's also the most miserable week to ski in New England. That's for sure. Yeah. Tried doing it a couple of years ago at Killington. I was like, this is this is a disaster. I can't yeah. I this mountain right now. I did yep. Tremblant on President's Weekend and dude, it was horrible. I stood in yeah. line for the gondola for like an hour. It was horrible. Yeah. I tend to, I just tend to avoid skiing at those times. You know, I, I just take a lot of my vacation days and my comp days on weekdays. And even my, my buddy and I, like we locked in, we got a great deal at Sunday River because we, we bought it a couple of weeks ago. And so we got their lowest price guarantee and it was like, you know, we got weekdays. So we've already been there on weekdays and we know in January, you know, non holiday times. And so we know it's not going to be crowded and, uh, it's going to be, it's so worth it. The, you know, to go there and take the time off to go there then, because we get so much more for our money. It's pretty much a quarter of the crowd during the week on the weekends. Yeah, we did. uh, We did a Killington for a whole week, a couple years ago, and we did it before Christmas and we lucked out. It was one of those, you know, a couple of years ago, it was just, the snow was fantastic. And even yeah. like, if you can get good snow in December, those weekends are dead because everyone's at Christmas parties or shopping or something. Yeah. It is, yeah. it is fantastic. If you get the right conditions before Christmas. Yeah. And the same thing, the same thing right after, like we're going on January 9th and that's like perfect because everyone's got their fill during the holiday week and everyone's back to work and back to school and you go up there and there's, you know, you have the place to yourself. It's awesome. Yeah, that's that's an absolute yeah gold. If you can hit that, absolute gold. Yeah. Yep. So now, speaking of Boston and skiing, you know, we reached out to you a couple like a week or so ago. We we're actually going. We've locked ourselves in. We're coming up to the uh, the ski and snow show in November. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we're excited to come up there. We've got our hotel. We've got everything booked out. So. Um, what uh you have any uh anything we should uh, like look out for prepare for or what to expect at this well i mean i just i just love it i just think that it's uh it's such a blast because they have it in this massive convention center over in the seaport district and uh you know every pretty much every resort in new england is represented with um a booth you know like sunday river and sugarloaf have this massive combined space and uh, and Loon always has a big space, and Killington, of course, like dominates the whole, you know, a massive a massive display and setup. But all of them are there. But then, you know, there's manufacturers. There's this massive um, sale by I forget what company runs it, but like, you know, you, you know, people are walking. You can you can buy skis and and hold you know last year's model clothes, and so there's so there's equipment sales and gear sales. And then you know, the other booths are all kinds of other products related to skiing. And then, and then resorts from around the world are represented, you know, like all the Utah resorts, all the Colorado resorts are there, you know, some international places, you know, France. I know that a couple of years ago, there was like the country of Georgia was represented there. And oh, so wow. I think Portillo's on the list to be the Portillo and uh, Valley yeah. Navarro. Yeah. And so, and so you can just walk around and get all kinds of freebies, all kinds of information. Um, 
Right. It's just a really, really fun time. And the deals are, the deals are great. Like normally my buddy and I go to this and we book our trip, but this year we just found a great deal and we just said, we're doing it. So this year I'll go, I'll go at least one day with my daughter and we'll, we'll look for like the places that we can go buy, like, you know, four packs of tickets that'll be really discounted. And, uh, and then, you know, so that'll lock us into a place, but it's always a place we know we're going to visit, you know? Yeah. So we can do that and we'll, we'll eat and have a drink there and everything. So it's just a lot of fun to like talk skiing and really, really get revved up for, uh, revved up for the year because everyone's, you know, they're just trying to pitch what their place is all about. And so you can ask all kinds of questions, you know, I, I know like I'd, I'd, I want to go to Utah really bad. And I, before I actually did go there when I, I couldn't ski, but I was there. And so I learned like the logistics of traveling there on my own. But before that, like I would talk to the representatives of the resorts and they say, Oh yeah, you know, it's only a, it's only like a 35 minute drive from the airport and it's an easy flight and everything is easy about it. Or, you know, the other places would tell you, you know, the logistics of going to taking a visit to those places. And so it really gives you a lot of information. So like when you're formulating your plan for where you want to ski or even down the road, you have a better idea and a better sense of what uh, those places are going to be like. Cause you've talked to someone who, you know, you know, is interested in skiing and you know that they know what they're talking about because they're, they're repping that place. And so to me, it's just a blast. You know, my kids come home with a bag full of swag and uh, cool. it's, you know, it's, it's great. And, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of like other stuff too. Like I'll never forget. I went up there and um, I was talking to a representative from Pat's peak in New Hampshire, which is like a medium sized mountain in, in Southern New Hampshire. And I was just telling him how like, Oh, one time my kids and I had gone up there and we wanted to try snowboarding. So we went there and it was one of those special deals where you could try it for not a very, not a lot of money. And, uh, we were just saying that we loved it and we got to do this and it was a convenient place. And as I was leaving, the lady was like, Oh, you know, here, I just want to give you this. And she hands me like a free lift ticket for the place, you know, nice. and she obviously knew what she was doing because here I am with three kids. And she's like, if I give this guy one ticket, he's going to come by three more, but <laughs> very smart still, business person. Yeah. You know, yeah. Hey, I'm like, I'll take that. <laughs> That's cool. So it really is. Uh, it really is a fun uh, time and there'll be, you know, there'll be like celebrity guests and that kind of stuff too. So it's, um, I just like it, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you'll hate it, but I just no, think, no. you know what it is? Like even, you know, we're just, we were talking about before the podcast, you know, going to the, uh, we've, we've gone to the one Warren Miller movie premiere the last couple of years here. Yeah. And, just, yeah, and that's, that's in a very, uh, it's like a micro bit compared to these shows, but just like being around all these like like-minded individuals, you know, like everyone kind of is it. Cause it's this time of year, it's like October, November, everyone's just, you, know, you see on that big screen, you see like ski footage and you right. get fired up. I know we were, were going to talk about the podcast, you know, the, all the trailers that are out. I, I've watched that Warren Miller trailer for the new movie, like yeah. three or four times. And I'll, I'll admit it. I am crying during it because you got Warren Miller who just passed away. It's the first time, first movie since his death. And one of the, and the song playing the whole time by Odessa is one of my favorite songs. And it's like everything, every like emotional bit. You're like, what am I doing with my life? I think my little one year old son, I'm like, how am I going to make sure everything he sees me do, he can be proud of. And that I can show him this life of skiing and being in the mountains and, you know, passing that on to him, like everything, like that is my existence. I think about in watching that three minute trailer. 
It's it's yeah. insane. I'm I'm a crazy person for thinking this way, but that's exactly how I feel watching that trailer. Okay. Yeah, I hear you. And that, that is that's part of it too. Like uh all around town as like the ancillary events that go on with the ski show are like there'll be movie showings all around town. You know, like I know they always have one at the aquarium because there's an IMAX there. That's the TGR one on Saturday. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And they'll have, they'll have a showing, something will be showing at House of Blues, which is like, you know, like a big concert hall and, and like party venue. And, I think TGR uh, showing that on Friday and then they're doing the aquarium on Saturday. Yep. <clears throat> yep. So, oh so there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of that that happens, you know, in conjunction with the, uh, with the ski show. It's just a massive thing. It, 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 I mean, nice. You'll be, you'll be, I think you'll be impressed with the the size of it just because there's so many exhibitors and you can really just get lost in there. That's cool. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm already, we're already getting both, get both getting like super excited for this. And we're we're going to get up to Friday up. afternoon, right? So we'll be there Friday for the whole time. Yeah. yeah. And we're hoping to get to Trillium at some point too. Stop on the way. Yeah. It's well, it's right. It's, I'm pretty sure it's really close. Oh, that would be perfect. Yeah. So you can probably like park down there and walk, you know. Like, honestly, I could probably walk from my building here in the city. I could probably, I mean, it, it would be like maybe a little bit more than a mile for me to walk from my building over to the Seaport Convention Center. Oh, nice. Because it's okay. pretty close to the airport, right? It's on that part of, of town. What's that? It's near the airport, near Logan. Um, Well, the airport's like East Boston, and this is the Seaport. So you would definitely have to take, you would definitely have to get a ride. Okay. You couldn't walk it, you know, you could take like, the silver line, you can take the T easily to get there because the T has stops at, at the airport or you could just Uber it and it, it wouldn't be very much. Just because we were thinking, uh, you know, we, we've chatted with the, the guy, Mark from Parlor Skis, and I think mm-hmm. they're over there right by the airport. So, yeah, yeah, I think, yes, I think they are over over near there. Um, that's just a little bit away. I mean, it's not a huge city anyway, so... You know, yeah. Yeah, we're not staying too far from the cent- uh, convention center. I think we're like a mile, just right around a mile. Great. Yeah, yeah that's that's ideal. That'll, you'll see it. There's a lot to do over there and uh, and you'll have a good time for sure. Cool. Yeah, we're excited. So it's only a few weeks away. So yep. we're getting yeah, fired up. So is there anything else that you're doing to prep for the season besides doing your newsletter? I'm just trying to get through the uh, Red Sox, honestly. And then, and then once <laughs> I... Uh, once I get done with that, then I'm in, then I'm in full blown, uh, mode. So, you know, I just, I just like that the fact that it's getting cold. And, and so like, you know, my weekend training days, you know, and getting exercise, that's all I think about is like the first time I'm going to be able to go skiing and, uh, you know, plans for the year. But that's kind of what this is about. Like I said, I'll, when I go to the show with my daughter, I'll definitely be planning on buying some tickets wherever, you know, she has a January birthday. So we always take her on a, on a birthday ski trip. And, uh, and so, you know, we'll, we just are are planning out our year, you know, like, like I said, my buddy and I bought our, bought our ski trip to uh, Sunday river. So we're, we're jazzed up for that. We played golf a couple weekends ago and that's all we talked about up and down the fairways was, you know, yeah, we're going to go and we'll, you know, we'll hit this, there's this great clam shack on the way up to Maine. We'll hit that place. And then there's a, then there's this brewery that we can stop at to stock up on some beer for that weekend for, or for that week. And then, you awesome. know, talk about all the great times we'll have skiing. So, you awesome. know, it's, it's like the anticipation, that's, what's great about this part of the year is the anticipation kind of really starts to build and build and the ski show definitely adds a lot to it. So, you know, yeah, we're actually, that's where we're I'm actually- at. 
we were trying to figure out a uh, like a like an elevator pitch for our podcast, and that's kind of how we were trying to wrap it up. Like we're like think about when you prepare for your favorite ski trip of the year, the things you talk about, the emotions, everything you feel. Like that's kind of what we try to do every week. And yeah, that's, that's that's kind of what it is. Yeah. I think that's uh, I think that's a good way to characterize. It. I think that's what's you know attractive about the podcast is that it is like you know that same kind of ski talk that you would just have with your buds and you know, you're getting ready or you're, you know, jazzed up for the sport. And so, you know how it is when you meet people who are like that, they tend to, uh, you know, it tends to be a really enthusiastic conversation. Yeah. It's like an instant bond, you know, just talking about sliding on snow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's going to be a great push because I've been half-assing my workouts and I'm like, I'm going to come back from that and be like, I got to step this shit up. It's also 110 degrees where you live. I know it's like freaking 91 today. I'm You're like, dodging hurricanes down there and alligators and red tide and all that. It'll be fun if we, you know, if, if you guys want, I'd love to go to Trillium or we, uh, we can meet up at the show and go get some beers or something and talk about, you know, the, all the adventures we've had on the slopes, because I think that I love hearing ski stories, you know, like, like to me, me, people relaying sort of the experiences they had when they, when they went and the things that they did, uh, while they were there and what was good and what was bad about it. And I think, you know, that's what I've always tried to do with my newsletter. And it's one thing that's good about your podcast is that there's not a lot of bullshit in there. And I think that when you just follow Twitter or you see the resorts tweeting and, and whatever they're posting, it's always, you know, the rosiest possible picture. And we know it's not like that, but yeah, there's so, a lot of reposting they do, you know, you know, everything's always so awesome and whatnot. And <laughs> not that it, not that it's, it's, it's bad. I mean, I'm definitely of the mind that like, you know, even when skiing's bad, it's still pretty good. But, uh, but you know, sometimes they're a little too rosy for me and I prefer to talk to guys who are going to tell it like it is keeping it real. Well, you know what? I'll be happy to show you my frostbite pictures from two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be the line. <laughs> uh, after a couple of drinks, you probably like, all right, let's see them. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Well, it wasn't that bad. I survived. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun city. It's a real yeah. good one there. Easy, easy walking city. And, uh, yeah, it sucks it's, driving. Yeah. But awesome to walk. It sucks driving. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But you can get around on public transportation pretty easy. And then now with Uber being Uber and Lyft, it's just, it's just, everything is so much easier now. Yeah. Is it funny? Just like that, like having a private car service, you know, like you gave that, that didn't happen 10 years ago. This Google Hangouts, this would have cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars 10 <laughs> years ago to have set up, you know, right. we're, uh, and you know what? Everyone's still miserable and complaining yeah, right? the worst yeah. time ever. And I'm, I need a safe space and everything is so great. <laughs> so accessible. right? And winter's coming. Like everything is coming up aces and we're still complaining. Yeah. <laughs> it's yep. getting nice and nice and cold. All right. So Matt, anything else you want to add? I know you got your uh, Red Sox game to prepare for. So yeah, I'm good. I definitely, I gotta go. I'll do that. And, but, uh, but yeah, definitely. You guys have my, my contact info. So I'm looking forward to seeing you up here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We're looking forward to it too. So thank you again for joining us. And uh, they want to follow you, Matt Pep15 on Twitter. Right. And that's uh, on your Twitter page. There's a link to the newsletter and we'll have that in the show notes as well. Yeah. Starting tomorrow, they're going to come out on uh, every Friday. All right. Oh, nice. Awesome. Every week. Cool. This yeah. is subscribe week, people. Every week until, until the middle of March. And then I go back to like once a month just because, you know, nice. things die down. Yeah. And there's tons of awesome stuff in there. It's always a, it's always a pleasure getting those in your inbox. Yeah. I got a good collection of links this time. Like I always write something at the top and then links at the bottom. Yeah. So yeah. always definitely subscribe. So Matt, thank you again. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in a couple of weeks then. See that sounds soon. great. Thanks guys. All right. All take right. care. Bye. All right. See ya. Bye.
that wraps up the interview. More information, uh, all the things we talked about and Matt's newsletter and his Twitter account, you can check it out at skibumpodcast.com. Under the ropes. First off, Chow Yun Fat lives on just $100 a month and will leave his entire $714 million fortune to charity. What? Yes. Chow Yun Fat is worth over $700 million. Damn. Bitches. So showing once again why he's the most down-to-earth movie star around, Hong Kong film legend Chow Yun-Fat reportedly lives on just 800 Hong Kong dollars, which is about $102 a month, saving up his money so that one day he can leave it all to charity. Damn. His wife, Jasmine Tan, says that her husband manages to live so frugally in one of the world's most expensive cities by frequenting street food stalls and rarely buying new things. According I gotta take to, a page from him because I spend money like fucking crazy. Shrimp tree. Find <laughs> <laughs> stupid shit. Yeah, according to an Oriental Daily report from last week. For example, for 17 years, Chow stuck to his trusty Nokia flip phone. 17 years using the same goddamn phone. Most people can't even go 17 oh, months yeah. using their same phone. Well, the other, okay, so the other thing about this is he's like in high demand. People are going to look for him. If you can't get him on a cell phone, they're going to like send, call somebody else that has a phone and say, can you get him on the phone for me? That's true. He's not like bombarding Instagram with new hashtags the last, last couple of weeks trying to get other people to pay attention and follow him like we are. He's a bowler. He don't give a fuck. Yeah. The 63-year-old Chow is often seen riding public transportation where he rocks a simple wardrobe, a shirt costing him 98 won, about 14 bucks, and sandals costing another 15 won, about two bucks. When asked why he likes to shop at discount shops, despite his tremendous net worth, Chow replies, I don't wear clothes for other people. I just wear whatever I find comfortable. I like that. He's not wearing some big-ass logo shit on his clothes. He's just like... I mean, eh? he's not wearing fucking Yeezys or some stupid Air Jordans. He's just, uh, he's keeping it, you know, just very simple. And it's, uh, this is a beautiful thing. So when he's not exercising, cleaning up the streets of Hong Kong after a typhoon or lining up for tickets to see his own movie, huh. Chow spends his free time doing charity work. Him and his wife have no children. And he has said that when he dies, he will donate his entire fortune to charity. And high, high food and ski bumps. That's, That's right. right. Hit us up. Ski bump podcast at gmail.com. Ciao on your flip phone. We have uh, Instagram. We have uh, Bitcoin. Bitcoin. <laughs> Ethereum. Uh, we take I like, it all. I like this comment though. I feel that the money does not really belong to me. I am just in charge of keeping it temporarily. He remarked like back that. in 2014. His wealth is currently estimated at a whopping 5.6 billion Hong Kong dollars. So about 714 million. You know, and it's, I've been thinking a lot about this lately because, and you know, we've talked about it on the podcast the last couple of weeks, you know, Mario and I both have full-time jobs and, you know, it's, we've, we've expressed it in numerous ways, numerous times, how unfulfilling those full-time jobs are and how just doing this podcast and, you know, doing this rebrand and new logo, like that was so rewarding and joyous and fun and brought us fulfillment in, in a way that our daily jobs could never do. And to find someone who, you know, has just eliminated the bullshit out of their lives. Like, like this guy, when he could, he could be just yachting it up and, you know, 
living like a crazy baller and buying chains and hookers and whatever. He's just, he's decided to dedicate himself to his wife and to his town and to his city and to taking care of himself and the people around him. And there really is nothing more rewarding than that. You know, you can, it's so easy to buy a fancy new car. You're stuck with payments, buy a giant house stuck with payments. You got to keep working and working, working more until you make more money so you can pay for all that stuff. And like, well, I got to reward myself. I'm going to buy, you know, I'm going to buy a new pair of a new watch for $10,000, something else to pay for. So you got to keep running that hamster wheel faster and faster. But if you can just eliminate all that bullshit, and just focus on what you really need to survive and concentrate your energy on the things that bring you fulfillment, you will live a much happier life. Well, that's just it. It's, it's being who you are and not changing because you have money or because you have a different lifestyle. It's living your life the way you want to live, no matter how much money you have. But it's so easy to, to get into that rut of chasing money to think it's going to bring you happiness. Because there's so many people. We were just talking to Matt before about that Aaron Hernandez story that the Boston Globe did. They did like this oh, crazy five-part story. And he even said like when he was in jail, he's like, you know, I made all this money. I was filthy rich. He's like, but it never brought me happiness. Yep. You know, you hear that over and over again. You Everybody watch- thinks it's going to be better once I get there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice this or compromise this or live a different life because I'm going to get somewhere where all of a sudden it's magically going to go away. It's not going to magically gonna go away. You're just going to be there with the same fucking problems you have. Yeah. And it's so easy to overlook that. And again, you know, it's, it's an easy trap to fall into. I mean, every commercial you're bombarded with, it's like, have you seen the new, you know, infinity, blah, 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 for just five fifty nine a month, you can lease this new blah, 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 or the new Porsche, blah, blah, blah. Like all this shit is out there and it's all formulated to entice you to think that if you get this thing, if you have Your this, thing, you're going to be better. You're going to be the envy of all of your douchebag friends who you don't even really like. But there's that that draw, that pull to become this person that that you see in commercials, this glamorous, fabulous person. We're going to go get brunch in my new infinity. That'll be so nice. But all that stuff, it's an illusion. It's all bullshit. None of that's going to I'm going to hit the Mega Man's tomorrow. And I'll tell you, I'm going to blow money like a motherfucker because I'm just going to be enjoying the fact that I have a little bit to spend. We're going to be having a lot of fun. That is completely chow. That is the opposite of chow yun fat and chow yun fat at the same time. But I tell you, it's going to be to get out of my system. And then I'm going to go back to like, I can't like not work. I can't like fucking not have a, uh, like goals and and something I'm working towards. I mean, that's why this podcast is still going to go on. I'm just going to have a lot more funding, angel investing going on to support that life. Be your own angel. That's right. Be your own be your own angel. But that's how we, you know, that's how we kind of fell into this. You know, we fell into it as a, as a passion project. And, you know, the more we kind of, you know, rolled with it and, and developed a structure and making it that people actually found it and listened to it and liked it, we realized that this, this could be something more than just a, a hobby. This could be our, our real means to, to feed our families and to get yeah. by every day. Cause you know, again, we're not rolling around. Dude, I got a freaking 12-year-old Subaru, and I'm still rocking that bitch, 180,000 miles. What you got? I love my Subaru, yeah. you know? Granted, I would love to get a freaking, you know, some brand new dope-ass car. I would love that. But you know what? I, I don't want it enough to have to force myself to work at a job I hate that will get me that thing when I can just get by with what I have now and save and make 
my Do life smart thing. my life Proof more thing. make my podcast this podcast and my life be more one <laughs> continuous living beast together instead of the podcast being this little sprinkle on the side when I have time to do it. I want it to be more of our life and the our lion's share of this stuff. That's when we really become the podcast. That's, that's what's going to happen. That's right. We have to take our pants off and just become one with the podcast. Boom. And if you're listening right now and you hit the lottery, the mega millions, you fund this podcast because we'll make it happen. We will, we will have that Patreon account <laughs> set up. We have we have the account there. We just need to get our tier set up. We will you have just, that. You just call us up. Reach out to us. We'll 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 call you back. Saturday morning, we will have the Patreon tier set up. So if you want to become our super mega, you know, Daddy Warbucks Patreon, we will uh, we will be happy to accommodate you. And if you don't uh, see the level of support that you want, you want to support us more to make our dreams your reality, then you you can reach out to us directly. Podcast at gmail.com. There is really no more noble way to spend your your mega millions winnings than to be a patron to a podcast that will bring Give so much to the joy and happiness and enthusiasm and inspiration to a community of like-minded, wonderful people. It's joy and it's joy <laughs> we bring out to the community. I said joy. I said joy. Yes, we will watch... Uh, <laughs> We will watch. Um, coming What's to coming America. to America with you? Yes, we got to do that again. We got to have a coming to America watching party. I think that might be a Patreon special. Just a we, buck. You can watch can, it. We can with all us. watch it online together. Yeah, yeah, it'd be great, right? Just talk some shit. Yeah, I, I love that movie. There's got to be a place. He saved Gilligan <laughs> from the island, <laughs> dude. If Eddie Murphy or Arsenio want to watch it with us, that'd be great. That that would be even better. Keep on podcast.com. That's right. It's keep on gmail.com. Hook us up, Eddie. Uh, that'd be awesome, man. I would love that would be a great watching party. I can't believe that movie's 30 years old. I can't I can't believe I'm that old. Dude. Crazy shit, man. I love that movie. Best life, movie. Life, yo. I gotta know. say, when I met Brian now, this is this is how Brian and my love affair, ski love affair happened. Is when I met Brian and he said that was his favorite movie. I was like, God damn, I knew you. I knew there was something I liked about you. This boy good. That boy good. <laughs> damn, I love that movie. If a man wants to be called Muhammad Ali. <laughs> he catches the to me. This he is America. <laughs> that boy was catching him. I'm going to call him catches. I call him catches. Mama name Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. Okay. He came to me. Uh, fucking great, man. Uh, movie's that was just so good. That was a and, oh, and it holds up, you know. A lot of these, a lot of co- uh, comedies from the '80s don't hold up. That one, rock solid. Rock solid. Yeah, I still wish they would have create. You know, they should. You know, they're doing like Top Gun two, which is going to be. Oh, it's going to be horrible. It could be amazing. We don't know. But, I don't know. Like they're they're bringing it back. It's like a sequel, but I guess sort of like a re envisioning. Like they, I wish they would do a new version of Coming to America, but. Instead of them, when they flip the coin, instead of going to New York, they go to LA. Like they do like the that same, could, but they're different. So it's not like a total. Like, could it be uh, his son does the same thing? Because they go back to Zamunda and yes. then his son says, but father, you did it. I'm going to do it too. And he goes to somewhere in America. Yes. Goes, to Atlanta. Be good. goes to Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta's a hot spot now, man. Goes to Gatlinburg. 
Gatlinburg's Urban Ski Weekend. And he meets we his dream girl at Urban Ski Weekend. November 1st and Super Bowl watching party. If anybody wants to go. True. UrbanSkiWeekend.com. Think about that. That would be <laughs> fantastic. That would be awesome. Right? Why? Eddie, call us, brother. We, we, can, we can work this out. We just want a, like, a, like a producer credit on here. We can have him on the podcast and they could hook up with the podcast. We'll be like, man, you should go to this place. He was sending him like Pagosa Springs. We're like, I'm looking for my queen in Pagosa Springs. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. That could be amazing, right? Yeah, I think that would be. We got to work out some details. We got like beautiful minds. So you got to call us up, Eddie. This is a shout out to Eddie Murphy. You got to call us up. I'm calling you up, brother. We can make this work. We got to make it happen. Yep. We could be writers, but I don't think I could be a producer because I don't have a pot to piss in right now. Unless I hit the mega millions and then we'll still collaborate. That's what producers do. They do nothing. They just get their name on shit and they get paid. Right. But they're fun and money. They're we're, fucking idea with cash. No, we're idea people. That's us. We're idea people. That's what we do. We don't need, we, we need someone else for the funding. We're the idea people. That's true. We're trying to raise the funding. We're, we're, we need the investors. That's right. <laughs> All right. So the next up we got, um, will robots outsmart us? So the late Stephen Hawking, had answers to this and other big questions that are facing humanity. So Stephen Hawking, when he died in March, it was a big loss to the world because he was, he's a brilliant guy. Um, so he, he, before he passed, he actually shared wisdom on the future life of the planet. And so the person that wrote this is saying, oh, this is actual from, Hawking? I'm trying to see the perspective this is. But he's saying, okay, so I guess it was from from Hawking um, that was posted in the Getty Sunday Times. Um, and they're saying, I led an extraordinary life. Um, well, he used his mind to travel the laws of physics and the universe. He believes that the elite and the really rich are going to develop, change their DNA and become superhumans. And then create, you know, those, so there'll be like two different species of humans, like standard and superhumans. Damn, ghetto human and regular human? Kind of, yeah. So like that, he's really concerned about, you know, gene editing and being able to, um, to kind of like create like designer humans. So that's like crossing Lindsey Vaughn with like uh, Serena Williams, making like a super, like superstar athlete. Kind of like that, yeah. Like ski in the morning and then win the tennis open in the afternoon. Pretty much. Crazy. Yeah, so he's concerned about, about that. And then also with AI, just, uh, just seeing how the, the, the capabilities are going to, are not in line with the same kind of goals that humans have. So he's concerned about the way AI is going to progress and, you know, possibly destroy our life in the upcoming future. Damn. So it's pretty bleak. On a different note, now again, I heard this on another podcast and I'm, I've found some links to confirm that, but apparently Stephen Hawking was actually a big fan of strippers and strip clubs. Did you know that? Who isn't? But Stephen Same. Hawking, you know, we look at him as the, one of the greatest minds of our, our time. Uh, but yeah, there's pictures. one of his, one of Stephen's best features was his lap. I'm just saying. It, it was a solid lap, yeah. Your lap dance, man. I'm telling you, that's that's his sweet spot right there. Yeah, he was a big fan of the uh, Stringfellows Strip Club in London. Wow! Oh, in London. Yeah. He gets the uh, little 
little accent with the strip. I like that. Well, he is British, so. Ah, even better. And uh, it, there was a story of a professor having a run-in with him at, at the Stringfellows. And it said, I went to, and introduced myself and said, Mr. Hawking, it's an honor to meet you. If you could spare a minute or two, I'd love to chat with you about the universe. And uh, he said, then I paused for a bit and joked, would you rather look at the girls? And there was silence for a moment. And he answered the girls. <laughs> he has reportedly been spotted numerous times getting lap dances at the California strip club DeVore and was even said to have frequented Freedom Acres, a swingers club in California. Oh, hello. Yeah. They said, uh, I have seen Stephen Hawking at the club more than a handful of times. A member said, according to the Huffington Post, he arrives with an entourage of nurses and assistants. Last time I saw him, he was in the back, quote, play area, lying on a bed, fully clothed with two naked women gyrating all over him. Nice. Yeah. All right there. University of Cambridge press officer later confirmed that Hawking had frequented the Swingers Club, but claimed that he wasn't a regular. This report is greatly exaggerated. He visited once a few years ago with friends while on a visit to California. So I guess that wraps up the old podcast for the week, huh? I believe it does. Yeah. I think we're there. It's time to go out and do some skiing, everybody. There's, there's, uh, things are opening up all over the country. And winter is coming more rapidly than we could imagine. Snow is falling. Snow is being blown. And it looks like ski season is is uh, underway. Yeah. So, Speaking of winter is coming, Game of Thrones is getting closer and closer. No, it's not. It's still a long way away. <laughs> Every day is a step closer. That's right. So thank you so much for checking out the podcast. We really appreciate it. Get more information, skibumpodcast.com. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. We are on all the socials, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast. We're also on Pinterest as Highfalutins. We are on SoundCloud as highfalutin-skibum. And if you hit the mega millions, please don't forget about your pals become patreons of us and we'll go party and ski with you every weekend for all season if you have that much money we can be bought let us know where to go grab the plane we'll go we can be bought so thank you again and thanks again to matt for uh, the interview and we'll talk to you guys next week say hi stay blue see you